0: We're powered today by Onnit. Everyone is very familiar now with the Cognitive Rampage and the Onnit supplements that we use here and that I'm powered by. I support them and I use them every day. If you would, go to AdamLowry.com or cognitiverampage.com, find the Onnit link, click on that, you'll get discounts up front, uh, and you'll be helping support the Cognitive Rampage podcast. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Onnit, uh, go to Onnit.com and check it out, but Definitely click on AdamLowry.com first, but it is a total human optimization website. Meaning they're offering everything from supplements to food, and mind you, it's all earth-grown nutrients. There's nothing synthetic being used on it. They even go as far as offering the Onnit Academy, which you can join that have professionals anywhere from doctors, practitioners, athletes, and trainers uh, that specialize in various uh, workouts and uh, nutritionary supplements, diets, etc. But there's all kinds of advice on uh, Onnit. But again, go to AdamLowry.com and find the Onnit logo. Click through on there, and you'll find uh, everything that we use. It's all in the Cognitive Cave. I'm looking at it now as I'm talking to you. Uh, I use Onnit Earthgrown nutrients. It's in their food uh, section there. I use the Earthgrown nutrients every day. I use Alpha Brain when it's going to be an intense day. Like I take an Alpha Brain before a podcast uh, or before uh, maybe a long day of travel or something, and definitely when I'm writing. Uh, I also take the new mood if I want to balance out, say a hard night before, uh, or even if, uh, I'm going to have a long day, uh, the next day. Now they, those are the supplements that they offer, but there's all types of foods. Uh, definitely check them out. I use all kinds of it, but, uh, if you're not on it, get on it. My guest in the cognitive cave today is an old friend of mine who has been in my life for a long, long time. And, um, Chris Beckermeyer is his name, and we went to high school together. He was older than me, Uh, always kind of looked out for me. He's seen some struggles in his own life, of which he's going to reveal on the podcast today. And you'll see, uh, we're going to get into some things about the 12 steps. Uh, It's going to get pretty um, provocative, I'm going to tell you, uh, and explicit when it comes to drug use, uh, and especially opinions. And you never know the stories that are going to come out when you're talking about addiction and the history. So uh, beware if that kind of shit bothers you or whatever triggers you to do something stupid. Um, don't listen to shit, but I would listen to it. Uh, I'd advise you to listen to it anyway, because Chris is a man that's full of experience, full of knowledge and has been through a lot of things in life, but is humble enough, uh, to learn from life, you know, and and grow from it. He's been an inspiration even to me. Uh, when I got back to Orlando, uh, he came over the house and we hung out for a little bit and talked about the journey he had been on since I hadn't seen him in, uh, I don't know, maybe shit, five, 10 years, but uh I hope you enjoy the podcast. This is my friend Chris Beckemeyer. Oh good to see you, man. I'm so thanks for making the trek all the way over to the cave, man.
1: Yeah, I tell you what, you you made the right decision by moving a block farther south than that craziness that was going on right there. That would have been intense trying to get through that traffic. Oh, that traffic is, it sucks, man.
0: But, you know, the east side, I moved over here for various reasons, you know, my daughter and stuff being close, <laughs> closer to her school and all, but um, just out of West Orange County.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, you know, west side's the best side, brother?
0: It fucking is, man. I i, I miss my, my home over there, man, and I've been lucky to reconnect, you know, with some old friends, you know, like Eric Rittenberry, Parker Mott, Um, and I've always stayed in touch with my boy Juan, but, you know, even Mike Rummel and I touch base again, and it's been cool man and after we spoke that day that you came over you know when i first got back i think um i don't know july i think i got back and uh you came over and uh, brother i did not know the struggle man
1: yeah the struggle the struggle is real and i just like to say it's, it's really good to see no coy boy doing good you know um trying to you know the struggle i mean i don't even really know where to begin i guess if we at the beginning it's like I started smoking weed when I was 12 years old. I uh, had my first drink. I probably smoked weed before I even got drunk. But um, I mean, I leave names out of. I was at one of my boy's house. We stole his dad's uh, Southern Comfort, mix it with apple juice because we were children. What else would we do? Of course, that's what we would do.
0: Isn't it weird how we always remember that first time? Oh
1: yeah. Also, first night I did Copenhagen. You know, we I stole his dad's Copenhagen that night as well. Um, let's see. We would. You know. We, i was so nervous about smoking weed i was like how's it gonna make me act is, am i gonna be different and the guy I was, with was like nah you'll be all right because the perception i had of drugs is i'm gonna fucking go crazy i'm gonna start you know i think the the commercials i wasn't even alive yet but the commercials you see is the guy beating his mom with a flip-flop for fucking smoking weed or something
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, we're at that back end of that generation. You, my brother's generation, about eight years older. I mean, we came at the back end of that 80s Nancy Reagan, just say no, drug users are bad, evil evil people. I mean, that's kind of what you're referring to, right?
1: Being that my dad is a pastor as well. It's like I had had it coming at me from both ends. Um, You know, the the media, my dad, my family, the belief system I was brought up on. I always kind of beat to my own drum. And, uh, you know, they gave me the... They gave me the tools I needed to make the decisions, and then I made my own decisions. Um, so I started smoking weed at like 12, uh, and it was basically just weed and alcohol up through through high school. And uh, in the 10th grade, I wrestled for West Orange, and um, we're wrestling Colonial. I ended up getting my ribs broke. You were sexy
0: as fucking them tight stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. I still have nightmares. <laughs>
1: Oh, I do, too. I'm so glad I don't have to wear them anymore. Let's, we'll leave it at that. But, um, I think, I think one of our, well, I don't want to say that, but anyway. What? What? No. What? But one of our boys was like, uh, I almost said his name, but one yeah, of our boys yeah, no was names. like, yo, back man, you're all balls, player. I was like, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Why are you checking me out, dick? <laughs> um, you yeah. know. Anyway, uh proceeds there yeah i broke my ribs got my first taste of pain meds in the 10th grade <laughs> that's fucking early no shit oh yeah man they put me straight on fucking uh hydrocodone or whatever it was
0: isn't that crazy i mean it was i find doctors go right to that my my daughter and she did nothing but sprain an ankle right not even that severe you know like level two stuff and buddy's dropping off the vicodin like hey and i'm like no sir and they're, they're telling me there's
1: nothing i can do so
0: you're 15
1: yeah or or, or younger i mean how old you are in the 10th grade yeah, I my, guess I was probably fifteen. Yeah, my daughter's
0: fifteen. She's in the tenth grade. Right. So
1: they're like, There's nothing we can do for that, you know, uh it'll just have to heal on its own. But here, take this. Jesus. No no pre counseling, nothing. No. Nah, no. Nah. Of course at that time the prescription went to my parents who doled out the medicine, you know, accordingly.
0: And so um, they're just doing what the doctor says.
1: To safe you know, there was a safeguard in place to keep a uh, an addict at bay back then. Um Uh, we're going to talk about that. I I know know. we are. I know we both just smiled at each other. (laughs) We're
0: going to talk about that
1: definition. Um, they, uh, so they give me the, they give me the pain pills or whatever. I take them, but I tell you in the back of my head, it was like, Oh shit. That's what I've been missing. That's I like that.
0: Really? Like, like that.
1: It was just like that dude. It was just like this numbing, you know, I, I, I still don't, Subscribe to the philosophy that i was using drugs to mask my feelings i mean one point in my life when i was going through a divorce yes and we'll get to that but up until then i just like getting high and the the pain pills man they did it for me now i'm a pothead by nature that's just been smoking weed forever and that was my thing but uh when i got my first dose of pain pills i was like shit that's the that right there man that's that ecstasy that's the fucking uh That's that mood modulation you were looking for. That's that's that comfortably numb a brother likes right there. So,
0: damn, fifteen having to deal with those kind of pulls and and stressors, man.
1: And I tell you, it it didn't end up being that bad because after that prescription was gone, you know, it moved on. It was actually later in life when I recalled that feeling, and I was like, "I'm yeah, that's what I'm looking for."
0: So, so the the recall of the feeling. I, I, I mean, I know chemicals and synthetics definitely have their use. You know, they're just chemicals, as uh, Glenn Marshall likes to say. And I agree with them. But when they're not used properly, they can cause issues. Or when you're not informed properly, they can cause issues. And But what I do like about that, because the parents did it properly, dosed it out, you know, nothing came of it. But I don't know, man. That recall, dude, that's scary shit. Yeah, it was later in life. I'm, I'm trying to think, like, you know, I went to
1: college. I was playing football. One of my roommates... Uh, you know, he knew a place across the street. We'd go over there. We'd buy pills, um, and it was all party. It was all fun and games.
0: Now you were now you were playing college ball at the time, right? Now that see, we see that a lot. I mean, uh, Chris Bell, bigger, stronger, faster. You know, mm-hmm. talking about how the athletes it starts that because of injuries and and pain, and so the pain pills start. But for you, it was just a recall.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, man, the guy was like, "Hey, you want some pills?" And and it literally it shot my mind back. You know, four or five years previous to that and I'm like yeah that would be great dude we can fucking just chill fucking just you know we'll get some pills get some weed we fucking come back we'll play some Madden um you know because they they had us on lockdown as much as they thought they could but um so yeah my roommate and I would go over there we'd get some pills we'd come back we'd chill uh it was significantly down the line now I know you and I are gonna have this discussion anyway but like I can pinpoint. How addict behavior even ruined that football scholarship uh, with behaviors and ego and all the stuff that we'll talk about. But they, uh, after I played college ball, I came home, um, went to work. My dad and I started a company. By the time I hit 30, dude, my body just fell apart, it just fell apart from all the running into people, working with my hands, now, strenuous work. Had you
0: been using it all for those 10 years from right out of college? You, you I mean, you just jumped from, like, what, 21 to 30.
1: Yeah, I never stopped smoking weed right. or drinking. Um, maybe there was, like, you know, the four-month football season where I had to be in excellent shape that we weren't doing anything but drinking. But, uh, yeah, no, I was steadily smoking weed.
0: Um, and, and drinking, though. So you is, I mean, did injury in college?
1: Um, actually, no. I mean, it was, you know how it is. It's tough on your body. You were, you were an excellent athlete also. Um, yeah, it's it's tough on your body. So, but I never actually had that injury, the injury that would be like something I can pinpoint in my mind to say, um, yeah, I I need to take something because of this. It was just strictly party time all the time. And when I worked
0: killed it, then the party did the, were you taking pills at that time that ended that, that kind of helped the party proceed?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was hit or miss with the pills. It was generally just staying blowed out all the time. Oh, man. Yeah, we were high all the time. Um, it was like every night we'd get like, you know, we're college students, so it's not like we could afford anything great. We'd get like three Nick bags and a, and a fifth of whiskey, and it was in fucking Mississippi, so we'd ride the turn rows of, uh, of the rice field shooting fucking snakes from a Ford Explorer with a twenty two. I mean, this is like what we did for fun because there was shit else to do, so
0: fuck it doesn't get any more fucking country than that yeah
1: shit. we had a good time mrs hippie yeah Go ahead.
0: Uh, um i'm only trying to ask that man because i'm i'm trying to walk in your mind you know and kind of feel how how you're feeling so that's why i wanted to get that jump kind of how that because i can relate just like you said i relate so i'm just trying to be there you know
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, I can't pinpoint an injury that really had me, you know, off the wall with, uh, with pain pills or smoking or anything like that. It was always just a, a party. You know, I was, uh, trying anything once. And if I liked it, I'd do it to the extreme every time. Um, and yeah, you know, I come home, I start this business. I work, I meet a girl. Um, the girl's not she's iffy on whether she's okay with me smoking weed or not. She would ride me around in her civic with me rolling blunts at the beginning. And then all of a sudden it wasn't cool. Once we were like 26, you know, but by then, you know, I was already into my daily grind. That's what I was going to do.
0: They're hit just the same with the, just say no, the dare, the drug using is bad. So that whole shroud covers the majority of the people that, you know, still exist, you know, and me talking about this way, either is not popular. You know, but so for me, when I hear her, you know, acting like that, it's hard for me not to get upset and be like, look, if I was in three other states or at a certain point in time, right? I mean, it's what Johnny Cash say, they're they're in jail because they're a victim of the times. Yeah. You know, so when you see that perception of what it is, but I I still want to point out though, but just smoking weed and possibly excessive drinking though, but you tend to go nine years with nothing synthetic. Yeah, nothing. And how heavy was the drinking though?
1: I, honestly, I would drink heavily when I drank, but I wouldn't drink often. Um, I was not good at drinking. <laughs> shit would go down. You know, there was there was a there was a specific drink in the in the in the middle of the night and it wasn't labeled. After you drink this drink, you are going to fucking fight somebody. But it wasn't labeled, so I'd take that drink and shit would start going nuts.
0: Uh, um, so you were gone so it wasn't all clean sailing those next 8 years then. Yeah, it
1: wasn't clean.
0: It just wasn't pharmaceutical.
1: Ah, okay. Okay. Um ah. I never met a ball of crown I couldn't fucking drink. All right. Um I had that whole didn't know when to stop thing going on. I might would drink once a month, once every other month, but when I did it would it be off the deep end. Yeah, when you're in you're in. Yeah, I was ne- I couldn't I couldn't leave before the bar was closed. I couldn't leave before I was out of money or I couldn't leave before you know I was being escorted out by people. So if they could escort me, out. dude, with me, I was like, man, I feel like shit. Um, he's like, dude, you're dope sick. I was like, man, fuck you, dude. I don't do dope. You know, I'm just, you know, i just smoke weed and shit. I'm not, I'm not doing dope. He's like, no, nah, those pain pills, dude. The pain pills. He's like, they give you the same effects as uh, you know, they're opiates, so they give you the opiate withdrawal.
0: You didn't even know. I had no clue. No clue. Um, multiple surgeries, multiple doctors, and had no fucking clue what these could even do or what. You know what he actually meant by withdrawal. Right. And you know what? I, I jumped a major fucking part
1: in 2007. I, I, because of the way I was working also, uh, I was working days, working nights, working days, working nights, uh, in charge of our day crew and our night crew, you know, uh, another one of my employees helped me stay awake. So we had a little thing go on with some cocaine, got arrested for cocaine in 2007 but as soon as I caught that consequence, that was done. That was that one. Uh, you know, I, that I, was just
0: it, it, for me. It just kind of sounds like hazard damage. You know, right?
1: It, you know, the it, my love is the downers. I love the opiates. I love the weed. I love the alcohol. The, I didn't really care for the stuff that kept me up all night. Yeah. You know, that was really just a byproduct of uh, bad decision making on how I can stay up all night and get a lot of work done.
0: Well, the fact you're trying to stay up all night anyway, man. That's that. That itself, you know, sleep kills for days.
1: For days, too. My dad would be like, "Oh, well, you need to go do this. You need to go do that," and then be all surprised when I'm fucking snorting cocaine to do it. Yeah. Well, who who gave you that?
0: <laughs> that's listen, man. That for real though, it becomes a real side effect of this this culture a lot of the times, man. Because people do push that idea. This right? Isn't that American? Go get them presents. Is right. Um, even if I don't got, even if I don't got to sleep, right. Work until, you know, till you get successful. But when you do that in order to truly maintain health and work like that, it, it becomes, I don't know, destructive, man, as yeah. it,
1: as it did to you, it was quite destructive. Um, uh, I would just been married. We had just had our first kid. In fact, I remember the date cause it was exactly a month. It was April 21st, 2007. Cause it was exactly a month from March 21st, 2007 when my first son was born. Um, so, you know, that was, that was interesting phone call to make, Hey, ex-wife, you know, you want to come pick me up? I know you've got a one month old over there, but I just got arrested for Coke. Uh, so come get me. That was an interesting ride home. Um, and it really, really like speaks to the enabling of my parents, which I didn't even realize what they were doing. But first thing my mom said was, you need to fire that guy that was with you. Obviously that wasn't Christopher's, you know, I was like, mom. I hate to break it to you, but that shit was mine. You know, I let him have some, you know, so, but really I I jumped that part of the story just cause I was, I'm so hyper, so hyper focused on the, on getting to the, the opiate addiction and the pharma, you know, the pharmaceutical part of the addiction.
0: Brother, we ain't gotta go nowhere.
1: We, we can go three hours, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, I, I don't get to do it very often, but I have been asked to speak, uh, mainly at the rehab I went to, um, and, and every time it's not like the story fucking changes. I mean the story has happened and I should know it and I still fucking like draw a blank uh and get all anxious and worry about what am I gonna say, you know what I mean? I wanna sound I wanna sound like I'm I wanna get the message that I want to come across. I wanna get it out.
0: So you're thirty you got-
1: I'm I'm thirty three, four ish at this point, I had all these surgeries, straight up hooked on pain pills, don't even know it. Dude, that works for me. is like, dude, you're dope sick. I'm like, fuck you. I don't do, you know, what's dope. Never even seen dope. Don't know. what I, you're I still talking find about. that
0: fucking wild because, the, oh man, all those surgeons and and not one
1: dude. I, well, there was one, but then he he only told me be careful. He didn't tell me how to be careful. What the fucking, you know, like what the repercussions could be. What you what know, to do. What to do. Yeah, like, uh, definitely was no process to it. It was just like, all right, your surgeries are all done and. uh Good luck. Here, here's one of the most highly addictive synthetics on the planet. Have a good day. Yeah. I know I just was your drug dealer for the last four years, but, um, yeah, go fuck yourself.
0: So, I mean, and, oh, my God. I mean, it's education is what's important in this stuff, man.
1: So the dude's like, all right, you're dope sick. Here, take one of these. You know what I mean? I had a real lax discipline policy with my guys like hey 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 guy riding with me roll this blunt right quick before we get to the job site you know what i mean that's that's just how
0: we rolled that's construction and if <laughs> and i've worked construction and ran some crews too uh for my brother's stuff um you know short term you know stuff but I, I what every meeting started with a cigarette at like 6 15 walking the job site yeah i'm mean, just how it's just how it was i mean the a cold- cigarette or a dip Everybody the, at once, yeah. every PM would sit there and go light up and it'd be six fifteen. walking around dirt. Yeah. I mean, the the culture of a
1: construction worker is what it is. And when they get off, they all, you know, it's beer 30, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. time to get drunk. So the guy says, uh, not all
0: construction workers. We know this. We're yeah. talking allegedly.
1: Yeah. And by the way, I'm a construction worker now that does not do that. So we get it, but we'll get that. All right. Um, He's like, here, take this, you know, all shady and shit. Here, take this. I was like, what is that?
0: See, you, you even pictured one of those 80s commercials when the guy turns to the snake. Do I, I look
1: like the guy that would. <laughs> yeah, right. Do I look like the guy? Yeah, I, remember, <laughs> I saw that when I was watching that documentary you told me to watch. Yeah. Um. So, I, it and this was uh, my first 30 milligram Roxy. Oh. So, I took that and was like, oh, my God. I've been missing out on life. This is what I've been missing out. I've heard these people talking about this shit. This is what I've been missing out. This is hillbilly heroin. Sign me the fuck up. Wow, that fast. That quick. Um, and then it was a, a steady, I mean, steady struggle with those for, you know, and at this point, not even getting them legally. Just off the street.
0: Now, I wonder how much of a <laughs> a pre-education would have helped there. I do. I wonder how much if maybe pre-surgery you're sitting with maybe an addiction specialist or something and they're walking through the stages of addiction or the euphoric ideas. And maybe if you were educator informed that hey, they told me it'd feel like this, but it's synthetic and showed you what could happen over time. I wonder, you know, if that would could cut down on, you know, that
1: Well if- at least to tell me, hey, listen, you're gonna feel like shit for three or four days, but fight through that and you'll be just fine. You know, it's not like kicking the other shit, you know what I mean, where it's gonna be a week of not sleeping and flu-like symptoms, you know, throwing up, diarrhea, fucking just straight hating life. You know, by the time you get to that, that's a whole nother level. But when you're just kicking Percocet, you know, give you a heads up. It's going to suck for three or four days. Nothing we can do about that for you. Just fight through it and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there is no education beforehand. There's just peace, you know. Good luck. Here, let me take your stitches out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like we're trying to do away with synthetics, man, because people need them and they're helpful. They're amazing things. And when they're used properly, like when you were younger, they work. So, you know, the idea is not to vilify the chemicals themselves. But how these chemicals are applied, maintained, monitored. Or
1: or even the physicians and surgeons that did what they were doing. They were only doing what they were trained to do. They're not addiction specialists by any stretch of the imagination. But these people are what I feel are like some of the smartest people in our society and should fucking have a little bit better understanding of it. They would tell you they are addiction specialists. Well, they would tell you, but I I have an opinion
0: on it. And they would most probably tell you it's definitely, without a doubt, a brain disorder. And Listen,
1: then- I was going to a drug addiction specialist psychiatrist to, for the fucking, uh, when I'm first trying to come off of, off of, uh, off the Roxy's that had, you know, switched to heroin at some point in there. But so I'm going to the, the, what are those fucking things? The, uh, suboxone therapy guy. Right. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, you know, he, he goes ahead and dual diagnosed me as ADHD. He's like, here, now this is a drug addiction specialist. Quotation marks. Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Who then gives me a, 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 a Schedule two narcotic, fucking Adderall or whatever. You know, I, it was, had a different name. It wasn't Adderall. It was Vivance. Vivance. He gives me Vivance, and I had enough. I guess at the time, my, my desire to, to not be fucked up on drugs was a little more than my desire to be fucked up on drugs. So, you know, I, I go. I talk to my wife, who's who's an RN, say "Hey, should I take this?" She's like anything that'll keep you calm, you know? And I was like, still doesn't feel right. Now she's already co-signed it. My, that my addict, my good. addict mind is like, fucking let's, let's ramp this up. But
0: yeah, I, my wife's an ARMP brother. If she clears something for me medically, cause you know, I don't know shit medically, but when she says <laughs> right. it, I'm like, all right, cool, we in. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, I just got the stamp of approval, bitch. Let's do this. That's it. But, uh, I checked with somebody and they were like, no, nah, that's a level two narcotic. I was like, oh, so it's probably a bad idea
0: for me and no had he talked i mean any history so you'd come in on this was when you went inpatient
1: no this was actually before i'd ever even attempted detox before i'd ever even attempted this is when i'm came clean to yeah her and and decided to uh you know try to do something about it so i'm seeing this specialist this specialist this addiction specialist this fucking psychiatrist what were they all telling you um one, one of the psychiatrists sent me to, you know, somebody similar to use like a, a therapist, drug addiction therapist, uh, therapist with like a master's degree. And, and plus he was an addict. So, I mean, he's like 14 years clean. So, um, so you do some outpatient therapy, right? And then the, the other, the same lady sent me to, I can't even think, I won't say the doctor's name anyway, but I can't think of it. But the, the suboxone therapy guy.
0: All right. Yeah. So you got your addiction specialist, your or your Suboxone doctor, who's been designated right. to give you that.
1: Who then gives me ninety a month. Right. He gives, he what? then gives me ninety Suboxones a month, eight milligram, little gel tablet things. Uh, to to, you know, to get and, you off of what. It definitely wasn't a taper to well, get you off this, of what? At this time I'd started shooting heroin.
0: Okay. Okay. So when you, after the arrest for the cocaine, Oh,
1: you know what? I'm sorry. That's not true. That, that when I first started seeing that guy, it was just to get me off of the Roxy's.
0: Okay. So to get you off the Roxy's, he put you <laughs> on the boxing. Yeah. He, got, okay. he
1: started putting me on the box. And, and the therapist who thinks I'm being completely honest with her at home, you know, he doesn't mean to, but he blows my spot up. He's like, how do you feel about him taking suboxone? And she's like, what the fuck is suboxone? And then she researches it. Bam. I'm out the door. Like within three days, she's, she's like, I can't fucking handle this. Listen, if you're just smoking weed, you know, popping a couple of pills, I think I could deal with it. But, you're like ramp this shit up to the next level so
0: this. she looked up the box and did not see it as a pro for a maintenance to keep of keep you off the pain pills
1: she didn't see it as a pro because i must have been doing a whole lot more stronger drugs and pain pills than i was letting on Had you been? I, oh yeah all um, right all right so you got into the heroin already no i hadn't still hadn't tried that where'd um, you go I was just doing a bunch of Roxy's, And, you know, when she would ask me, oh, man, it's just one or two. It's just one or two. Okay. You know, I'm just smoking a lot of weed. You know. How many
0: were you taking a day?
1: I think I was at about eight or nine a day, 30 milligram, maybe 10, depending on the cash flow of the day or the week, what what schemes I could run to get more. <clears throat> um. So then, of course, also from my stint back in 2007, I'd heard about this 12-step program. This therapist is now preaching to me to go to these meetings, to this 12-step program. And uh, so I I start going to these meetings, you know what I mean? And it's helping, you know. Um, I I am taking the Suboxone, but I'm not taking the opiates. I'm not smoking the weed at first. And uh, I never bought into the philosophy that alcohol was a drug at first. At first, I didn't. Um, So I was continuing to drink. Knowing I was kind of doing something wrong, though, because, like, after a meeting, I'd go down to Outback, I'd have a steak and some Crown and Sprite, and, you know, but I was kind of checking over my shoulder, making sure the people from those, people from those meetings weren't coming in there. That's,
0: the, homie, that's scary.
1: <laughs> yeah. What the fuck?
0: I was just... That's some creepy cult looking out for your leftovers type shit. Man, don't, don't start with the cult stuff already. <laughs> no, but, no, but... <laughs> 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 All, we'll right. Get- All right, so... You're just doing outpatient once a week. You're seeing a psychiatrist. You're on Suboxone maintenance, and you're right. doing how many meetings are you doing a week?
1: I say at first I was probably doing a good five, man. It was in my neighborhood.
0: Now we, I still think we're missing the hole when the heroin got in the middle of this. Well, shit.
1: it's coming. It's coming. Oh, so. you've
0: not even got there. Mm-mm. That's no. right. You said that. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, it, it's coming. So I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, thinking I'm, I'm legit and being clean. Um, basically. Now, did you?
0: Really, I mean, was the the suboxone was that clean to you?
1: Yeah, the suboxone
0: was clean to me. Okay,
1: I was only taking one a day. I was selling the other two. You know what I mean? They gave me ninety a month. Shit, I was gonna make a couple bucks. Um, So I felt clean. Yeah, I mean, I was just doing the one. I wasn't getting high off of it. She's like, "Well, I'm seeing somebody." I was like, "All right, well, I guess this is so." She's gonna fucking be pissed. We're, we're going to add it out. her. No, it's okay. I mean, she knows the deal. I mean, it is what it is. She doesn't even know I'm here. She's not going to listen. Heaven forbid she pay attention to anything I do. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. But we, I love we, her. She's we, a great mother. We won't go there in this session. She gave me beautiful children. Oh. Um, she uh, she says I'm seeing somebody. Me being the, uh, the ultimate victim in all this, I walk right out the door. I pick up the phone. And at this point, I still feel like I had a decision. I made the decision to ramp shit up zero to a hundred real fucking quick. Called the dude I used with most. And in the back of my mind, I just always remember him saying, dude, I never showed you the right way to do this. I knew what that meant. You know, we snorted him. I knew what it meant when he said that. So I called him up. He's like, I'm not even having this conversation. In his mind, I was clean too. You know, because I was doing some boxing, but uh, I was like, uh, well, either you know, then I start manipulating. It's like, well, either I'm coming over to your house where I know I can get a clean rig, or I'm a fucking who knows where I'll go. Well, just come over then. Of course, he's also broke. He knew I had money, so he was also doing some manipulating.
0: And what synthetics, or are, are you on antidepressants? What are you on? Anything else? Nothing, nothing,
1: okay. no, okay, nothing for nothing. Just straight up drinking just a the Crown, box. just the, box crown, the sound, crown, yeah. And at this point, knowing what I was going to go do, you know, I definitely didn't take the dose of Suboxone that day. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I call my dude, I go over there, we start, uh, and you know, IV using the, the, the Dilaudid's and the, and the Roxy's. And it took about three days of that before we had the really bright idea that heroin would be cheaper. Jeez, man. So at this point, I would consider myself six months clean. Now, where
0: were the the Delada, Where were all they? Where were they coming from? Um, don't no name.
1: Yeah, well, I, I don't think I know their names. If anything, they're street names. But uh, yeah, no name. Yeah, you know, they're coming from some shady ass apartment complex, dude. That's okay. All right. I don't. I have no clue. Some some people who had the bright the idea street, of going to doctors. Street. Yeah, the street. Yeah, some shady ass apartment complex. So we would get we'd get mass amounts of pills. We'd shoot them all up and. Then at some point we decided that a, a dime bag of heroin was cheaper than a, a blue pill. And we were off to the races with that. Um, and then we went from, I don't know, I was doing, it, it was, it turned into being just real crazy. Uh, I would say $300 a day worth of heroin, so it turns out not to be cheaper anyway, but. My dude used to beg me like, "Don't do that much, don't do that much." I'd be like, "Well, you're a pussy. I'm not. I can handle it." So, um, that's when the heroin got started, man. And that's really like that. That is when I pinpoint. That's when I start to relate to the people who I'm around now that say they they were using drugs to mask their feelings. Like I did not want to feel that uh, that vulnerability that you know, all the insecurities come rushing to the forefront when we were going to split up, um, that she was seeing somebody. And I I had to accept the fact that it was, uh, you know, that, that long-term marriage, that 10 year marriage, 13 years being together, it was over. Um, and I didn't accept it very well. That was not, that was not something that was on my list of things to do was accepting that. So, um, the drug use really ramped up, dude. And then, I mean, the, uh. The Finding ways and means to get more, that you know, then I, I really relate to that now. Uh, did all kind of shady stuff to, to get more drugs and stay high, so um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what, to, what else to say about it. It got really bad, really quick, really bad, really quick. Uh,
0: like a two, three year span, or no, a one in fact, year span. In
1: fact, the heroin use was only, and I say only. But it was, it was only eight months. Like, it was only like an eight-month span in which I what started. What makes you say only? Well, because I know people who were on a lot longer runs than that. You know what I mean? And I'm not discounting what I went through, knowing what they went through. But it wasn't that long of a run, comparatively speaking. You know, luckily, I didn't kill so, myself or the, go to the, jail.
0: The norm or the possible outcome?
1: The possible outcome. I don't know that there is a norm when it comes to that. Because, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't feel like that's a normal thing to fucking do in the first place. So, uh, yeah, to the possible outcome. So then, so you're talking within six months to a year, within six months, six to eight months, I depleted every dollar I had. I had burned pretty much every bridge with every friend I had, you know, luckily I still had a very supportive family.
0: Um, were you on suboxone this whole time?
1: No. No, I would knowing that I could take suboxin to get off of that, I would jump back to it occasionally when I had this 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 uh this idea of being clean again,
0: you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: but so, th- so it, it just they curb cravings mm-hmm. and you used it when you wanted to come off heroin right no, that's essentially it. I'd go back to that same
1: uh you know therapy guy the subox therapy guy get another ninety, but then I would still I wouldn't. I would take them for a day or two and it, and it wasn't the high I wanted, you know, It wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. I still felt as if I had so much pain that I couldn't deal with and had no other coping skills or tools to deal with them. That the only thing I knew to do was, you know, heroin has this inherent ability to take all your problems, every problem in the fucking world that you got and shrink it into one problem. And that's getting more heroin. So I'd rather have that one problem than the other, 10 or 15 problems I had going at the time. And that's just the way life was, dude. The, the chase. I so don't miss the chase, dude. It, it was, it was intense, man, to get up and have to spend three hours in the morning, trying to figure out how to cop dope, uh, another three hours trying to figure out how to figure out how to get the money. I thought
0: I was, what, so, was, what was 1200 a day, 300 a day. I know you talked yeah, about it around 300. It was
1: about 300 a day. I would, um, I would start off in the morning and, <laughs> And my poor dad. Poor bless his heart. I would start off in the morning hitting every shell station that I would pass and get the forty dollars cash back. You know what I mean? And I'd get like forty dollars of diesel and forty dollars cash back to make it look like I was filling my truck up. However, by noon I'd filled my truck up fucking four times, you know what I mean? My dad's like he's you know, he's not he's He's smart enough to figure out, you know, I'm not using that much diesel. You know what I mean? Yeah. My truck gets like 500 miles to a tank. I mean, but that's how the mind starts going. Yeah, and it didn't matter. All that mattered was getting that money to get that drug. I would deal with the consequence later. Um, you know, I would manipulate, I would bullshit, whatever, into getting what I wanted right then.
0: Would you say that, uh, that divorce or that separation or that information was
1: trauma? Definitely traumatized me, man. I, and and it was trauma to the point, it was such emotional trauma that I had no experience with dealing with, no coping skills on how to deal with it. Uh, raised in the environment where men don't fucking ask for help. Men don't, uh, you know, men handle their own problems. Uh, raised in that environment, and not really necessarily by our family, but where we grew up. Where we grew up, there's that culture of, for lack of a better term, there's a bunch of fucking rednecks. That raised us. Uh, you know, you fight it out. You you know, you you deal with it. You deal with it on your own. Or you're a pussy. Men don't cry. You know, all things I know to be bullshit today.
0: Well, add football player, wrestler on top uh, of that.
1: Yeah, Mr. Fucking Macho guy who has to have the appearance and the perception of everything's under control at all times. Um, yeah, could never allow anyone to think that Chris fucking Beckermeyer was doing this because he felt bad. You know, what's that? So it turned into, it turned into a whole crazy, I mean, that was my life for that eight months. That was my fucking life, dude. We, we would, and, and, you know, I had two kids, I had two boys at the time. Um, and I'd like to, I would tell, you know, the hardest person to tell the truth to is yourself. It's easy to start being honest with other people eventually, but it was really hard with myself. I came to this realization, like, uh, just because I was at the baseball games and at the baseball practice, and I was a coach, that I was this great dad, you know, who always put my kids first. But at the end of the day, I realized, like, I couldn't even do that if I didn't go cop the dope first. Like, I was not gonna be there if I didn't cop that dope first. So, really, then it really just became maintenance. Who the fuck? Who the fuck am I putting first at that point?
0: You know what I mean? So, so, so you. You stayed functional in what you were doing then you know you stayed functional through the eight months, except you were just draining friends, relationships, money, and everything else. but you stayed functional,
1: yeah, I had to keep that perception, you know they uh had to make sure society still thought I was this good guy,
0: and you held that up for eight months until what happened
1: um well it all it all came to a head. I told my family what was going on, and my dad was like, "Oh, I know it had to be something um." So the first time I tried to really get clean, I went to a, a detox center in Orlando. And, uh, after about three days in there, I was like, this sucks. All
0: right. So you voluntarily went inpatient.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, to detox. All right. Local but, detox. Yeah. Local detox. I yeah. won't, I won't. Um, there'd be plenty of people who thought it was bullshit too, though. But I went to this detox. Um, it wasn't for me. I, uh, I wasn't ready. You know what I mean? Like I know you're that what they told you? No, 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 no. I can prove that I wasn't ready when I when okay. when I came okay. out. I guess. I came out three days later.
0: Yeah. Hey who, who I would it? I would argue though, brother, to say you're not ready would be a stretch because someone not ready doesn't voluntarily walk in.
1: Okay, so I was seeing this other girl who I will remain nameless, who was pushing me, got all the information. She was loving me when I wasn't loving myself and I'm able to realize that now. But um you know at the time you know I wasn't trying to have it and, and I may have done it more to get everybody off my back
0: was there a tipping point though with, did something happen that people were like did was there an intervention did, no mean-
1: there was never an intervention it was more of me coming clean to people and then them really tightening up like taking my debit card watching my bank account it made it so fucking hard I'd buy a can of Copenhagen and have to be accountable for, you know, the $7 that it took to buy a can of Copenhagen. Now Um, you, you put that on yourself after you got out of three days. Well, that was what that's, that's, that's basically how I ended up in there. I was like, all right, let me get all these motherfuckers off my back. And in my, and in my mind, I'm going to go in here for seven days. I'm going to come out a new man. It's all going to be good. Wow. I'm saying that was, that was my perception of what happens in detox. Really? Never having been through it.
0: So, you were like seven days, I'm off this shit, and I'm in. I'm out. I'm good. I would.
1: I'll be good. But I made it three. And. Uh,
0: what? Now, when you walk in, what they put you on?
1: Oh, man. It was eight milligram. It, it was methadone. On,
0: first, walk me through the process. So, they, br- they bring you in. Who do you talk to?
1: And then take specialist lady behind a piece of glass. I don't even know. Uh-huh. Um, All right. Then they, uh, you know, they, I had to pay for it. I uh, paid, and then I went in. And it How much me, did you pay? I, I want to say it was like 150 bucks or something. I mean, it was reasonable considering. Any insurance? No, nah, never. Nice, right, so self-pay. Yeah, this was self-pay. Um, I talked to this lady, and I went back in this big, you know, holding area with a bunch of chairs and a TV. And, you know, basically these dudes watching everybody. And, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? It slapped a fucking nicotine patch on me, and gave me a eight milligram I think it was methadone or something I don't know
0: I don't know so they gave you methadone and based on your verbal statement that you had been using heroin and you were right. off right I don't even think I had to
1: show them track marks or nothing it was definitely all just I was doing this put me so and uh everything was just so uncomfortable as it is when you're going through withdrawals and detoxing um
0: so there's here's a dose of
1: methadone go sit
0: in this room. Yeah. How long did you stay in there?
1: Um, I basically, you know, we had our rooms that we slept in. And then there was like this big area with a TV. And, you know, there's not much sleep going on in the first three days. So I was in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. How long before
0: somebody came and told you where your room was or anything?
1: It was pretty immediate because, okay. like, they knew they had a bed open or they wouldn't have taken me. Sure, sure. Um, so I knew exactly where I was going when I walked back into that big ass room? Did
0: anyone interview you, sit down with you, and fill something out?
1: You know, I'm 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 trying to recall it now. We definitely had to see a medical professional before we got into that big holding area. You know, they, now
0: when you say medical professional, somebody in scrubs that took your height, weight, mm-hmm. and blood pressure. Right.
1: I don't think they were a doctor.
0: Okay. Well, the height, weight, and blood pressure is different than someone talking to you about your actual substance issue.
1: Yeah, there was none of that. There was like a caseworker okay sometime during the weekend. Cause I went in on a Friday, I left on a Monday, but, uh, there was like a case worker that addressed certain things and they were definitely pushing me to go to inpatient, you know, trying to make me Stay. make it, make a decision to go to some inpatient afterwards, their inpatient place that was attached to their detox.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I wasn't having any of that. So,
0: so if they sat down and did a biopsychosocial interview with you, yeah, ask you your history, where you're from, all that stuff, yeah. usage, how much you use and this that
1: lady, stuff. I don't think ever even looked me in the eye. She was basically asking me a a, 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 questionnaire and just typing in answers. I don't know who looked at it afterwards, but
0: right. So she, she takes this down and no one has yet asked you how you're feeling, how are you doing? Do you need to talk to somebody? you need some yeah. food yeah they wasn't none of that any food offered to you Drink? um i want to <laughs> say they
1: offered me some some crusty ass bologna sandwich you know before <laughs> i hit that double door
0: so now she sees you on a saturday yeah all right so you go in on a friday night she sees you saturday that's good response time right to get the bio done now how long now sunday obviously don't see anybody did you go in any group saturday or sunday
1: There were 12 step programs that brought the message in, you know, the, uh, the H and I process for the 12 step people. Okay. They would bring a meeting in
0: once a day. And when did you see the doctor by Monday?
1: I don't know that I ever saw the doctor. Um, Hmm. now the doctor definitely had to prescribe the stuff I was taking.
0: Would they so did they give you something Friday night?
1: They did. They gave me, uh, Man, I, and I can't think of the names. of like Trazodone so they to get,
0: sleep. But they gave you a dose of methadone first.
1: Yeah, they gave me methadone. They gave me Trazodone. And they gave me something to help restless
0: legs. So yeah, you have had to see a medical <laughs> professional all by self-report.
1: Dude, I was fucked
0: up. I don't remember all that. I understand. But then they just take these three on a Friday night that you just got here and what you said. Now, a lady comes in the next day, sometime Saturday, after they poked and prodded you for blood pressure and testing three times that day. And now says, sits down in a non-interpersonal interview, pops your history on you, right? Mm-hmm. And Saturday comes, no doctor, no professional, a couple 12-step groups, no therapist assigned. Sunday comes, nothing. Monday comes. Now, eventually, you probably see the doctor, if you made it that far, because you took those same things, Trazodone and something else Sunday night, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I took... and. So, I had to take all the stuff they were giving me, and it still wasn't really helping me any. And I, I don't, I, man, I'll tell you, I don't recall, like, the specifics of that place. Yeah, no worries. But I know I know that when I woke up Monday morning with the decision I was leaving, yeah. like, the guy was like, well, if you take your meds, you can't leave. I was like, "Then fuck it, I don't want them, because I'm out. Okay, and I good. walked right out that front door.
0: That's good, they refused the meds, then. Huh? Yeah, yeah, they
1: wouldn't let me take them and, and then leave.
0: But... um, do you have any scripts when you left? No. Nah. Okay. No, no, no.
1: good. I called uh you know I, I called my I called my doctor when I left. I mean it was literally out front. Out in front of the place waiting on my ride and called the dope man. It was like, yo, play, I meet me at the fucking meet me at my dad's house in like 45 minutes.
0: They had a chance to grab you. They had a chance see the way I see it coming from a therapist on both sides. I then my flipping impatient too at 22. Mm, right. But when I see that like I write my book, dude it's like That was a chance like right there was a chance to get somebody, even if it was the slightest intrinsic motivation. You know, you had the you had just enough to walk your fucking ass in there, even if it was to get people off your ass. Hey, it made you at the time part with one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that's intrinsic motivation. But imagine you sit down with a dedicated therapist at that very moment who starts working you on a program immediately with self-talk interventions at the time completely focused on you interpersonally over Saturday, over Sunday. Is that different than, Hey, sit in this group with everybody else that's dealing with something similar. Some schizophrenic, some not some 20 year addicts, some not most are dual diagnosed for in and outers. They probably referred to as alumni. We'll get to you eventually, but Hey, thanks for showing initiative to want to get clean and coming in. We'll get to you in a couple days.
1: We definitely had some, some people they called frequent flyers, knew them by name, knew their family, um, yeah. there. I, I mean, I truly believe now at that time, was I ready? I don't know. Sure. I don't know. I wasn't presented with those options, so I don't know what yeah. I would have done. By, I, by what I did after their, their process, I can tell you that I probably wasn't ready, wasn't going to receive any message they gave me. So, but who knows? Because it didn't happen.
0: Um, well, the message they were given didn't help. Right,
1: you know. Good luck, (laughs) good luck, brother. You know that's the message. I mean, right. So then that's early. That's early July. I go back out, you know, just straight running hard now too. You know what I'm saying? Just, just coming out the box.
0: Now that's when a lot of people OD, man. Yeah, is they
1: right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Because you've been clean a couple of days off of your drug of choice. Um, You know, you're real susceptible to. Oh, I used to be able to shoot. Uh, four dime bags so that's what I'm gonna do but that's right you hadn't done dope in fucking four or five days so um that might kill you but I was never you know my guy my dude I was with I would use all the time with would beg me don't do that much don't do that much I'd be like fuck you pussy I'll do what I want holy shit yeah I'll do what I want so
0: now did you ever try a methadone clinic
1: no no my next stint of uh so, it went... I mean, it got really... Bad. Like, I was literally about to have to start robbing people, um. and I decided, okay, there's things I'm just not willing to do. My depression got so bad, my plotting to murder people started, like, I was going to... Yeah, I was... Psychotic thinking. Oh, man, I was not thinking properly. When I realized that I was going to do something... Had you tried
0: any stint with antidepressants and all this?
1: Um, No, my parents begged me to, because... Did you ever? No. Okay. No, like they gave me Wellbutrin one time back in the day and I, you know, that's the one thing I wouldn't take the daughter gave me, you know what I mean? I'm not going to take standards. Standards, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Give me some Percocet, dog. I'll take that shit. You give me some fucking Wellbutrin, brother. That shit's going to sit on the shelf with the fucking Advil. So. Jesus. Yeah, so shit went crazy. I, I was
0: agree with you.
1: <laughs> right, you know, uh shit was going nuts. There was no there was no end in sight. I mean, I was literally starting to think like my whole life, I would say stuff like, I don't understand how people can kill themselves. It's so selfish. Um, you know, it's such a, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing. Why would people do that to my, my thought system was I get it now because life fucking sucks that bad. You don't want to deal with it any longer.
0: So your belief had turned to that, Yeah,
1: man, it completely shifted one eighty on, on certain issues that I find to be, you know, that, they shouldn't be shifting. Um, but it really wasn't until I was like, you know what? I'm not going to kill myself. I'm going to kill these motherfuckers over here. And, uh, that'll make me feel better. Then I was like, all right, you know what? This isn't me. This is crazy. I went to, I went to the building where my home group is and I spoke with a lady and she she, she told me about a treatment center in South Florida that she had sent somebody that she cared about to, And, uh, I called him, And of course, being the great addict that I am, you know, I think, you I you're not an addict. I didn't go the next day. Yeah. I went, I went fishing I was like, all right, listen, I'll come, but I'm not coming tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm gonna go fishing because that's important. And then I'll come Friday. So the girl I was with at the time, she drove me down there, dropped me off. Now I got to see what a real, to to me, the only time I've ever actually been in a facility, and it's a private one, it's not a government-funded one as far as I know, um, I got to see how they operated. I walked in the door, saw a very high-level nurse. You know, I don't know what all their titles are, but she was a doctor.
0: Um, ARMP, probably. Yeah, and of course. Yeah. They use uh, ARMPs. That's what my wife is. And um, some focus on the psychiatric side. My wife does not do that. But um, they do, you know, yeah. I didn't see a doctor that night,
1: and, and they wouldn't have but given me you, anything. You pretty anyway. much did.
0: When you talk to the ARMP, um, they are typically the ones on the front lines uh, on the psychiatric field and treatment side um, because they have a medical training backside um yeah that's funny they have a medical training side but they also have tons of research and study and the psychiatric and psychology side so there's a difference there but there's a huge difference than seeing the lady behind the glass that passed you a clipboard right right and that's an and,
1: and armp
0: that's greeting yeah. you
1: and this lady was with me the whole time too so i mean like we she was a cool chick.
0: Did you're talking a six figure person walking around with you one on one? That's well, what you're talking.
1: It, it wasn't one on one, but there was definitely a door that was open to us at all times. You know, there was a day shift, there was a night shift. This lady was the one that just happened to be there when I was awake mostly. Okay. Um so that was that was Friday night, in which they weren't giving me anything anyway, because you know, I've been shooting dope all day. They didn't give you anything your first night. Nothing. Nothing. They gave me a bed imagine that yeah they gave me a bed and and that worked wow well that night that (laughs) night i was still high as fuck when i got there okay okay Um, okay Uh, let me back up where i fuck up saturday morning though saw the doctor first thing in the morning like 8 a.m um by 10 o'clock by 10 o'clock they had me on my first true suboxone taper okay um so then I was, was in. Was there. there a
0: dose difference between what was the dose difference between what they first gave you at inpatient, and what they gave you?
1: Well, at, at the at the at the one place, you know, they gave me eight milligram methadone, and then it went down by two milligrams every day, and it was the same philosophy here, except for it was Suboxone. So, okay. um, it was a seven day taper. You know, I had to be in the detox.
0: Right. They didn't say you now take here's 90 Suboxone. Take care. Take this for life. <laughs> right. 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 That dude was
1: off the. He was off the chain. He made me some money though. I appreciated him for that. He was paying for himself.
0: <laughs> My God! Well, hey, that's the truth, man. Hey, he paid for himself. Um, I said on Rogan, man, the dope boys put on white coats and moved into psychiatric facilities, and that's
1: for and that that's not a, a misstatement. That's for real. When you're talking about these type of drugs, that's exactly who the dope man is. Is that you know, who you called when you got out of inpatient? Who? When I got out of the the detox, yeah, when you the, got out of yeah, detox, when I got out of that detox, yeah, you called a physician? No, no, I call I call oh, a dope boy. Dope okay, boy. <laughs> yeah, okay. but the dope boy was talking to a physician. No, the dope boy was talking to the Mexicans.
0: Okay, okay. you know what I'm saying? He All was. Right. Yeah, let's stop there. I don't want to know anymore. Right.
1: So that's 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 what happened when I came out of that. But um, and that and that run went really hard. Yeah, I stopped the pharmaceuticals like the day we decided heroin was cheaper than pills. I never went back. Well, holy
0: shit! So once you went to heroin years prior, you you just left the pills behind. Yeah, except know, the box.
1: For that last eight months, yeah, for that last six to eight months, dude, there was no there was no pills. Pills
0: weren't pills wouldn't do it. Heroin just that was it. That was it, man. It'd zip you up quick. Right. Um, yeah. So so you're walking in this in this different kind of yeah, like, walk detox. into
1: this whole different environment. Uh, as far as detox, as far as treatment was, I saw the daughter Saturday morning, they put me on the taper, I did the taper for seven days. Now, again, I got there on the weekend, but by the end of the weekend, I wasn't really allowed to go off, off site to groups, but I was allowed to go to the groups on campus. Um, and so immediately I started going to the groups cause I didn't want to be fucking stuck over there in a the detox ward for these, seven days.
0: Were these 12 step
1: based? They were more than 12-step based. Like, they, the off-campus stuff was definitely taking you to 12-step meetings. The stuff on campus was talking to behavioral therapy, trauma therapy, uh, just, like, completely trying to refocus the way you think and, re, you know, what the one lady would always do, she would take her fingers and flip them back and forth and say, it's the rewiring. It's the rewiring of the brain. Yeah. You know? She's so
0: right. She's right.
1: That, yeah. that to a point. That's what we did in a lot of those, in a lot of those classes. Uh, a lot of those off-campus was more... Um, more th- social. That was the 12-step stuff.
0: Because it's more psychosocial intervention. See, where, where I do like the 12 steps is because they take a psychosocial approach, meaning they're bringing in a social aspect. To help you out with your mental issues. Well, a therapeutic value of one addict helping another. You know
1: what I mean? You got to get around those people who've been through it to show you, you can get through it without using drugs.
0: What's an addict look like?
1: What's an addict look like? do not look like it looks like me. Looks like, uh looks like it, there is no description of what an addict looks like. Yeah. It can be anybody. It can be the judge. It can well, be the lawyer. It can be the DEA agent. It can be the bum behind the, the liquor store.
0: Agree. But I would tell you that it can affect all of those people. I wouldn't
1: say it is those people. I, I heard you and Glenn talk. I heard, I know what you're, I know what you're,
0: I'm being a plump. I dick, know what bro. your
1: philosophies are. I'm
0: being a dick, bro. But so, so keep me at this, this facility, man. So there, are, I like how they're working though. The psychosocial aspect of yeah, the steps man, outside. It, Cause that is helpful, man.
1: It, I mean, we, we had all kinds of stuff, all kinds of different classes that I can't recall the names of, but there was one hour group classes that weren't 26 patients in one class. There were, you know, they would break the trauma up with the CBT, with the family, wow. with the this, with the that. And everyone would go to different classes, wait, different um, groups, wait. but not all at the same time.
0: I think that's in a textbook in my library here in group therapy, where they talk about having the same group connection, right? As that you put people that have experienced life similarly in a group and you get better outcomes. But at your government funded facility, you don't have that choice. You have uh, rape victims sitting in with uh, two, three prison term rapists right. sitting in. You know, this is your... The abused with the abuser. That's right. Is your main group in these government funded places. But where you're sitting, they go full into the research, apply the true empirical data, work CBT with psychosocial and divide the groups up. Dude, that's brilliant.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 how you the, do it. that's the science behind it. And I don't even pretend to be educated enough to know what all that is but that is how they did
0: it and dude uh, you know what i I like it because i love hearing that story but don't let me front when i just said yeah that's how you do it look there is no way to do it there's not a there's definitely not a diagram to to recovery like i said if somersaults keep you sober do that shit hey absolutely absolutely
1: what i'm doing works for me that's right yeah and i truly believe that it would work for anybody who does what i do we've never seen an addict relapse who thoroughly works a program just
0: Yeah, but that's that's the only part I take issue with. I know,
1: I know. I I said it just. (laughs) I said it just for you. (laughs) You fucking with me, man. Oh no! There's gonna be there's gonna be something that you can go back and pinpoint that you stopped doing when you decided fuck it. Did you stop going to
0: meetings? Did you stop calling your sponsor? Did you stop being connected? Hell yeah! I agree with you there. I laughed when you said that because in my book, I'm gonna get take shit for it. Because when I talk about my book, I literally say, look, if you don't have a life philosophy, you're probably living your life by what I call the fuck it philosophy. Mm. And I say, well, forget it or freak it if you don't, if you find cursing offensive. Right. But I say, what are the last two words you say before you cut back or take an exit? Fuck it. <laughs> right, right. All right. It's the life we live, right? That's the part where you start living
1: it. You're like, do that? Fuck it. Fuck it. And with drug addiction, when you're saying fuck it, you're really saying, well, fuck me. You know fuck fuck it i'm That's gonna right. do what i want to do here yeah. um you know i i just I, I i knew your false fiance. why i said it but it, and then and, and take me back to
0: your to what you're experiencing man you're you're in the the social environment you're working the steps how what kind of medical service are you getting i, I don't i have found I, I mean and why you were inpatient oh inpatient
1: we saw the doctor like the true md doctor uh anytime we well, psychiatrists
0: any, or md's too just to clarify this was not
1: a psychiatrist this was the medical medical doctor yeah um the people there who may have needed psychoanalysis got it yeah but i didn't fall into that group
0: well technically a psychiatrist used to do psychotherapy and pills and now technically they've just become prescription writers some of them not all of them but a lot of them and then but while you're in patient and all of it, you do. You're very right. You see the medical doctor for your medical issues, but then you also have your psychiatrist. But as far as qualifications, they're both MDS.
1: And in my and in my experience at this treatment facility, like after detox, yeah, you had to. I mean, you legit had to have a good reason to get an Advil. Like they didn't give you anything. Man. Um, they did give you sleep aid at night, you know, melatonin or trazodone, which I found melatonin did better for me. Natural. Yeah. Um, and still continue to take it today. You know, it helps me, helps me fall asleep. Imagine that. Yeah. I do too. The trazodone is fucking, I understand it's like, there's a window that if you don't fall asleep, then you end up not sleeping well. It's
0: synthetic. I don't fuck with it. Right. So, um, but I went into not this. that that's wrong with anything as long as you're using it <laughs> properly, it's working for you, and you've tried all holistic methods prior to using synthetics. In my opinion,
1: I feel like a, a lot of what led me to that to that all throughout my life, what led me to that treatment center was it was a lot of ego. There's a lot of ego in my in my life. We've privately discussed it. Um, you know, I I didn't think rules applied to me. Rules were for other people. I'm a boss. I can do what the fuck I want. And, uh, and a lot of that decision made making led me to where I ended up. So, uh, I decided that if I was truly going to take this serious and that if I really wanted to not be who I was, or I don't know if that's the right terminology, but if I didn't want to be doing the things I was doing, cause I've always kind of been the same guy, just, you know, I've been fucked up doing it that I needed to change my way of thinking so when I entered that treatment facility, I, I made the decision that these people were here to help. They weren't here to just tell me what to do. They were there to help. I jumped in with both feet. I participated in group from the jump. Yeah, I remember being in my first group, and I went to talk and started crying. You want to talk about uncomfortability? 6'4", 300 pounds, ex-college football player, state-qualified wrestler, and self-proclaimed badass fucking just starts breaking down Big, large, bearded man just breaks down crying. Can't get a word out.
0: All those emotions that have been... Bottled.
1: I think I cried twice in like two years or in ten years. It was fucking when the first kid was born, when the second kid was born. And then I still, when I would like start leaking from my eye socket for some reason, would be like, oh, there's something in my eye. You know what I mean? I can't cop to this.
0: My wife always makes a joke if she sees one and she's like, Morgan, get the bottle. (laughs) they're trying to capture the fucking tear right right but it's not like it's some strong thing you know but that's our generation right we were taught that right
1: yeah absolutely absolutely it was a culture in which i know i was brought up in and and i even cut my parents some slack my dad never told me a man doesn't cry my dad never told me uh Mm. men handle their own problems don't ask for help that was just the environment That was just the environment in which i was raised in Outside of my home in which I spent, I came there to sleep, the external environment, free food and sleep. Everything else was outside the home with my friends. And, you know, who knows what kind of stuff they were being told and what was happening to them in their
0: homes. So but that's you said something good, man, where you that I like, man, it drew me in when you said, you know, I made a decision like you basically made a statement almost as if this is what I now believe.
1: Yeah, well, I I made a decision to completely do everything opposite as as I was doing. Instead of when someone would tell me to do something. You made a choice. The, I know, I know, I know, I know. Those motherfuckers drive me crazy. Bitch, if you knew, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. So you don't know. Shut mm. the fuck up for a minute and listen. Mm. <laughs> and that's to. what I did. I shut the fuck up and I listened. Not humble. I, yeah, yeah, man. I'm, I've been a boss since I'm 22 years old. I'm used to telling people what to do, where to be, and how to do it. I'm not used to being told... Uh, you're 35 years old, but you're going to bed at fucking 9 o'clock. You're getting up at 6.30. You're doing this group at this time. Then you're going to eat breakfast. Then you're going to do this. Then you're going to eat lunch. Was-
0: but not military-like. I was not used to that. But they didn't do it military. They didn't like, say
1: it like that, but no. it was very scheduled. It was regimented.
0: But I bet when they woke you up, it wasn't, Get up, Beckermire Private Senior. Raise the get on the <laughs> motherfucking. No, you no, know, that was like, not that important. Hey, good morning, Chris. How are you today? Yeah,
1: they didn't lightly knock on the door. You know, maybe the younger guys who didn't get up, they got talked to a little roughly. Uh, I was the second oldest guy there, other than my, other, my, my homeboy that I hung out with the most, who was 55, you know. The rest of these fuckers were 20, 22, 23 years That's old. Fucking sad, right? Been through treatment multiple, wow. multiple times. No, no
0: shit. That, that would be your demographic takeaway? In your- oh, man. And I would get
1: hurt in rehab trying to keep up with these
0: motherfuckers playing basketball and shit. So, so you're talking 80% in their 20s.
1: Oh, man, 80. There was two of us over 30. Oh, shit. They out of it. 16. And this was the government-funded facility? no this was uh this was the one in west palm
0: okay now the government funded one what would you say the demographic was there in your experience
1: i'm gonna say well they are well i guess they were treating alcohol and drugs at the
0: west palm one too and but schizophrenics oh yeah I was talking but about the, the
1: one place. the one here in orlando the detox it was probably you know 50 50 for over and under 30 but the uh
0: Kind of divided up age-wise. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it was you know they had a woman's wing and they had a men's wing, and it was it was just crazy. But I tell you, I didn't pay attention in there. Like I was just I was literally just there to pacify.
0: You mind telling what what the cost of this private place was?
1: Yeah, man. And they cut me a they cut me a break because I didn't have insurance. It was it was eighteen thousand
0: dollars. And they let me make payments. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So. As much as I'm good for offering the right help and I'm good for capitalism to, I guess, maybe sort of make your money in a way. Otherwise, you get this other shitty help that you just talked about for your hundred and fifty bucks. Right. You get what you pay for. You get into this shithole that you come out and go off the fucking chain. Right. And then now you walk into this place after you make a choice and it's eighteen thousand dollars. We didn't walk in before we made the choice.
1: They wouldn't let us in until we signed a paper saying we'd pay it. Now, they, you know, most of moment. these people, and we actually had to talk them into letting me in the door without insurance. Because not only without insurance, you know, it's, it's a business, too. You know, they drug test the shit out of you, at, you know, a couple hundred dollars a pop every single fucking minute.
0: Um, yeah. And they charge you for the food, the care, the fact that's in it. Like I said, that's a six-figure salary that you met with the ARMP. That's what you're paying for, yeah,
1: and all the techs that are there, and the chef, and the freaking right. cleaning crew, and everything that goes into it. The therapists, there's mad Hold therapists on. dude.
0: You mean the right example or the right environment for making people better?
1: Yeah, I mean it was a good environment. It was definitely a good environment.
0: Yeah, so we should keep doing what we're doing in government facilities, huh? Keep offering that environment for 150 bucks for those that need help before they wind up getting crazy. I tell you what, I
1: can't speak to what a treatment facility in a public funded. Thing is, just the detox that I wasn't ready for. And it, it, it was.
0: I'm glad they're there, though. I talk a lot of shit, but thank God at least it something helps. the fuck is there.
1: The head tech at the, at the public one in Orlando, fucking, he was there 18 years before. And he kicked heroin in that place. And he came out.
0: He's a soldier. Yeah, he's a therapist I mean, he's doing, in the trenches there, man. Well, he was the head tech. He wanted that. Oh, oh, okay. Mental health tech. Yeah. He hey, but a, they're little soldiers too, dude. Man. I'm gonna tell you what.
1: Ours were ours were ballers. I, you know, I I still wish that they're wanting some client confidentiality bullshit that I could reach out to some of the techs that I connected with in my you, treatment facility, dude. We I, gotta I be think friends.
0: I think it's after is it a year and a half, two years? I and got, therapist is a little longer. Therapist maybe like two, three years. Well, good because there was this
1: one therapist I asked out when I was leaving.
0: She just laughed at me. Yeah, hey, dude, it goes on, my friend. It goes on. The place I was at that will remain nameless this time on the show. Right, dude. I mean, there were nurses sleeping with patients. Oh, uh, my were,
1: therapist got fired in the middle of me being there.
0: Why? I nobody would say, but she was just one there one day, and I got a new therapist. Yeah, that happens a lot. The turnover ratio is huge. They pay him shit. It's a shit fucking operation, and a lot of therapists are
1: fucked up. But I tell you man the connections I made with people in there actually meant something to me the tech that I hung out with mostly during the day played college football yeah. the one that was there at night was a quarterback at a at a college football
0: place you know was, a lot uh, of times in our treatment team meetings when I was in them you know the techs that would sit in they could give you more real personal inform- like personal uh, observation of the you know the patient you were dealing with than say a self report from a doctor or anything that I would read So a lot of times the MHTs that I would talk to that were a part of the case team, they were perfect because they either were on a one-to-one or a 15-on or 30 minutes with them. And then I could come in after a weekend or so and talk 15 minutes in the treatment team with them. And I would get more about the true personality that I was working with, you know. They're they're real soldiers in the game, man, because they pay them shit too. Yeah, no, those dudes were making like what? 12 bucks an hour or something like 12 to 15. Some will make, yeah. some will make 20, but you're also working 12 hour shifts, man.
1: And they kept such good attitudes that those dudes, those dudes like kept me sane a lot of the days. You know what I mean? like I had access to my therapist anytime I wanted, but a lot of those
0: nurses in there too, man, I
1: could go to this dude. Uh, I could go to this one tech that was with our group most of the day, Monday through Friday and just talk to him. Well, I need, you know, cause basically what I've learned is when I'm having a problem with something, it gets better just by talking about. It. I don't give a fuck who I'm talking to. Just get it out. You know, quit bottling that shit up and let it out. So I would, buy, you know, I would unload to him, and then of course because he's been working there five years, he's got some good shit to say back. Yeah. So, you know, I, I love that place. Though I still stay connected with their alumni. You know, portion of their thing. We go down there to have an alumni meeting on Tuesdays.
0: Yeah, because you're really, I mean, I know you, so before we go too far, I mean, so you come out of this, how long did you stay inpatient at the private place? 28 days. Yeah. 28 days. And you know, there's no magical empirical data to back up 28 days and 30 days. Just so you people know uh, that are listening that may think that these, well, you need 30 days. There is that number only matters because of insurance. There is no scientific research or any data that backs up the fact that 30 days is, the, is some kind of magic number. Well, and an, and in truth, if you go 60 days, your percentages can sometimes double 90 days. It can even triple from what it is. You know, the longer term treatments.
1: If I wasn't ready, I could have been there six months and come right back out and went back to what I was doing. Uh, the 28 days worked for me because I was ready. I made that decision.
0: Well, partly in. you make this right. And, and we said it, the intrinsic decision you made walked you in there. The intrinsic, you know, you made a choice, but then you got the proper help. You got the right help. They detox you naturally, holistically, mm. and no pills, no nothing. Offer you melatonin, a natural sleep aid that, my God, worked better. Pull you through it, and then you spend twenty eight days there. Yes, yeah, spent twenty eight days there. They let me out. My brother came
1: and picked me up uh, at five thirty in the morning, which they didn't want to let me out there, but I, they didn't want to let me out at five thirty in the morning. But I told him, listen, I got to get back to Orlando by 9. Well, why do you got to be there? Because by- I, I got to make a meeting at my home group. The day I got out of treatment. So I come home. You came out motivated. Uh, I come out guns blazing play. I fucking went to my mom and dad's house, hugged my dog, went to a meeting. Didn't really, and I saw my parents while I was there too. And honestly, uh, didn't feel like I was home until I walked into the doors of my home group. It was just like relief. I felt like I was home. The love I got when I walked through that door was, was intense, man. They stopped the fucking meeting. And I don't know how, if you know how that goes, but they don't stop meetings for anybody. They stopped a meeting. Everyone saw my truck pulling the parking lot. They came out in the parking lot. And I got like a line of hugs before I can get, you know, hugs, not drugs. Play. So, you know, we was fucking in the parking lot, hugging it out. Then we went in and finished up the meeting. Then I went to see my kids. So that and that, that was whole crazy because I had to, you know, her and I hadn't been getting along up until that point. Good job. Yeah, her and you I. You caught the name, good job. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not out there, but fucking, you know, her and I weren't getting along. Her boyfriend, who was super cool, uh, I actually, he opened up the door when I got there and I was like, yo, man, thanks for being there when I couldn't be and the look on his face. And I'll tell you what, that thought that came through my head after that was who the fuck am I? And, you know, where'd that come from? But, you know, that's, that's essentially, that's essentially where I'm, where I'm at now though, man. It's like, I will learn my part in everything. I will find my part in everything. Um, I won't be the victim. These are certain things that I've learned over the last year and a half. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to allow myself to be victimized. I don't even want to be around people who are going to allow me to be a victim. Like when I start playing a victim, I want my boys, you know, to love me enough to be like, bro, you're being stupid. You know what I'm saying? You fucked that girl. That's why she's pregnant.
0: You know what I mean? It's not, I mean, you're you're coming out on a, on a reality binge. It seems, well, your personal reality binge, but you are coming out on this mission to change. I mean, you come home, you receive the love and you're trying to, and you, and you were how long ago was this? Um I went to treatment August 28th. I'll
1: tell you what, I got my phone right here. Let's see. I went to treatment. Hi, I'm Chris. I've been clean since August 28th, 2014. 1 month. No, 1 year, 2 months, 20 days. 1 year, 2 months, 20 days ago. Or 38,607
0: seconds. I like how you look about it. I'm look at it in seconds, man. Not the I mean Well, cuz sometimes it's second by second, dude. I, man the way you can look at that countdown is real perception. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful with that countdown <laughs> shit, man. But, but, but uh, I like how it says, you know, how many seconds, because, you know, so many times we think about, you know, you looked at, say, eight months, you call it a short run, you know? Right. But even if it's 20 years, what happens is in that year span, whatever it is, you make decisions, right? And those decisions we make are, are made within like a given second. So the fact that it says how many seconds you've been sober is kind of cool to me because I like to tell people that, look, you may have been living this way for 10 years, 20 years, whatever. But in that span, it's really a bunch of little decisions that took you about that long, about a half a second. Right. And so if you look at it in about an equal number of decisions, you can be out of where you got into.
1: Well, okay, so I believe for me it was one bad decision snap judgment decision to say fuck it I'm going to do this because I know this will make me not feel that and then at that point my power of making any kind of good decision was, was gone I was powerless over that addiction and then my life had become unmanageable you, you're dropping bombs on purpose aren't you oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah. oh man oh now, nowadays, hey, I have a choice, man. Whatever works for you, right? I know. I'm gonna go do some somersaults when we leave too. <laughs> you know, what I mean, just to make sure all my avenues are covered. But I, I truly believe that if I go to meetings, I got a sponsor. I'm working the 12 steps of whatever 12 step program. Yeah. Um. That uh. That I won't relapse if I'm truly working that program. Now, if I if I take now, a mood or mind altering substance, it's gonna be because I chose to. I have a choice today. I do have that choice. I had that choice whether or not I was going to shoot heroin or not. I chose to do it. Now, once I did that and got physically addicted, I'm going to tell you, I know what it means to use, uh, I can't think of the fucking saying, but use against my will. I know what that means. I, I would wake up every single day and be like, today's the day I'm not going to do it. And then I'd get sick. Yeah. And then I'd be like, "Well, there's ain't, there's not, but one way I know that to, uh, to be able to be productive today, and that's go cop some dope and get to doing what I need to be doing."
0: That's right, because you were functional the whole eight months.
1: That's it. I had you, to keep that perception.
0: You still paid the bills and made it happen. Wow, well, to a point. Yeah, until it just ran out. There
1: were a lot of people being used and manipulated. Right. Sure. But yeah, sure. I was paying. I was
0: paying somebody's bills at well, one You said something strong in the beginning of all that that you probably could have put a period on for me after you said it. You said, I believe I could have put a period right there. And you could have said anything after that, and that's why it worked for you. Because this that's how I, I, I believe it's really about the belief, right, of what you truly believe. But the idea of when using becomes destructive to your full biopsychosocial and help is needed, it's definitely way more than going... I made a decision not to use today, so I'm not gonna. Mm. Because it's a complete influence for me. I I believe addiction to be environmental. You know, it's biopsychosocial. It's a full-on thing. You know, it's an environment, it's routine, it's your biology things. Your biology even begins to change as you use, you know, whatever it is you're using. Hell, it could be the food you eat. You eat fast food every day, your biology changes to wanting that. Mm -hmm. Carbohydrates, sugar, you get addicted to those things. Absolutely. You know, so it all changes. So, you know, the fact... Where I think it starts in the mental game, I guess, where we hold the sword or where the person that is experiencing addiction holds the sword. I think their strongest weapon or sword is the dialogue that they choose to make statements about what it is they believe to be true or factual. And so we joke about if somersaults work for you, somebody probably exists on this world to where they really believe that somersaults stop some sort of Jones and it works, and so for me, there's a biology. You know, um, there's an author, there's a book out there. If anybody wants to read it, I definitely would. It's uh, Doctor Bruce Lipton, The Biology of Belief. It's on adamlowry.com. There's a link under uh, Competence. It'll lead you there. But he talks about a true biology, biological reaction, you know, in our bodies that come with believing in something, right? And the power of it, and I love it. I paraphrase even in the book where he goes. There was a mother one time that picked up a car to save her kid. Now, we all say adrenaline, right? Even so, this doesn't happen, right? We all get adrenaline. We don't become the Hulk. Right. But do you think for a moment that she thought she couldn't pick up the car? No. In her mind, she
1: she knew she was going to save that kid at all costs.
0: So he explains it in very small terms, like that there's this biological reaction that comes from a choice that you said twice that, you know, one, I wasn't ready. Well, you believed you weren't ready, so you weren't. Mm. And then this time came, now you believe you're ready, so now I made a choice. But it all starts before the choice is truly what you believe. And so when you stated to me that I believe it's this routine, it's going to meetings, that you know, you could have said anything after that, you know, just about, that was constructive, and I'd have been like, fuck yeah, True statement, right? That's right.
1: Well, you have trained me not to say I feel. <laughs> you, I, I've been trained on that. You've stopped me too many times and said, hold oh, on, hold on, man. Oh,
0: man. You don't feel, you believe, you know, let's get right. Well, what you're thinking, right? Is because people do, we're all trained that way. to go, look, I'm just, I got a feeling that, you know, this isn't right for me or whatever. Right. And he goes, wait, no, no, you're thinking something to convince yourself of a feeling or creating it.
1: I, I shared in a meeting today, just to speak on this topic, really. Uh, I'm going to do what I tell myself I'm going to do. I'm going to do whatever it is. I tell myself, I believe I'm going to do if, I say that, um, when this person dies and I know they have pills, I'm going to use their pills because they're dead. Then I'm going to, if I say, I'm not going to do this when they die. And you know what? It's just, it's just a thought, you know what I'm saying? I have thoughts of usage all the time. It's what I do with those thoughts that really matter. You know what I mean? Of course, an addict not using is in an abnormal state. I fucking, I have thoughts. Hey, I want to get high. Oh, that's a bad idea for me. Um, you know, if I, if I have this reservation that if, uh, my wife leaves me, then this is going to happen. Then, you know, it's a self-fulfilling, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. Thank yeah. Me. I'm getting tongue twisted. No, but.
0: I mean, I, I'm with you and t- you know, I, that's where I can appreciate parts of the 12 steps because of its psychosocial influence, but it's also where I have some issues with it too. You know, it has a good psychosocial influence in that structure that you had it in because mm-hmm. environment, like I said, I think is, I don't know, it, maybe it's one third, maybe it's two third hell. It could be most of it. Environmental is huge, especially internal environment. So
1: if the environmental is that important when they tell you to change people, places, and things and give you people, places, and things in a good culture and good environment to change them with, then that's a positive. Yeah, agree. Okay. Agree. But. <laughs> if you wanted to go to a meeting in cop, could you, uh, probably I've been to certain meetings and I'm not calling any meeting out by name, but I've been to certain meetings, uh, that they subscribe to the fact that there's marijuana maintenance. Um, the meetings yeah. I choose to attend encompass all, all drugs, all, right. all mood I mean, altering
0: statement. Uh, when, when I, when mean I'm in comp, I didn't mean weed. I don't include that. Oh, could you relapse?
1: Um, well, you know, to me, relapse starts way before the use. There's something that you stop doing to actually cause that relapse. But, you know, to me, a relapse ends with the usage, not begins with the usage at our, at my home group, we create a pretty safe environment. Now, can we control what everybody's doing? Absolutely not. Yeah. Have we had people there trying to, trying to be shady? Absolutely. Hell, they got a whole fucking building full of clientele. Why not? Well, I can tell you why not, because my spirituality draws a line in the sand and you might get hit in the fucking mouth. If you come at one of my boys trying to sell them something.
0: Yeah. And now the protective environment, like I said, that psychosocial influence of AA, I think can be healthy, but like anything, the balance can be skewed, right? It can be taken to a cult like perspective and it can be taken to a, a real family, united, protective thing. Right. And true acceptance, etc. You know, I like that idea. Yeah. You know, um, that has a great influence. There's research there that works, you know? Um, so, the powerless issue that I took kind of when i back was when I was 22 and I was mm-hmm. told to declare myself powerless and take a few of these is kind of the summary of my impatient treatment, right. similar to yours. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm not taking your sleepy shit or none of your shit. And they go, well, you look, you need to declare yourself powerless. And at the time I thought, well, this, this metaphor is what always hit me. I said, I pictured myself fighting this, the biggest fight of my life. And somebody was holding up the ring and my corner had basically said, listen, when they ring the bell, I want you to go out in the middle of the ring and just cover yourself up and wait. That's what I pictured to be powerless, right? And I thought this is the biggest fight of my life. I'm literally fighting for my life at this moment. And you're telling me to just numb the shit out. I'm powerless to this stuff. And and for me, I couldn't get by that definition of powerless, right? And more in the dialogue. then later I learned how influential the dialogue really is and what it is, right? You said it. We, we do what we say. We feel what we say. Okay. And, think. and I think to one, the calling yourself powerless, possibly, I, I'm sure it works. I watched it work. It definitely works. So if it works for you, keep doing it. I'm not bashing that, but right. I'm just pointing out the other side is if I define myself either as depressed or as an addict or powerless, to me, I think that encompasses who I am as a person. It defines my value. As opposed to maybe I'm being affected by addiction or I'm being affected by depression. Because look, you don't walk around and say I'm headache, right? Right. We don't say I'm cancer. No, but we're quick to go, oh, I'm depressed. You know. Oh, I'm an addict. Now, if the definition in your mind, remember I asked you what's the definition of an addict? Mm-hmm. If the definition of your mind is that of this negative ideal... Right. If I were to ask somebody that's never experienced drugs at all, right, any sense, brainwashed in the eighties propaganda, nineties right. propaganda, drug war, and I said, "What's an addict to you?" You know, you know what they're going to describe to me. Yeah,
1: I've seen. I've, I had to watch this tape in treatment. Yeah, they're going to describe that shady dude behind the liquor store. I have no the idea dude pushing the cart.
0: That's fifteen percent of the population right. that actually use. You function eight nine months in that eighty five percent that actually use these drugs. You know, that's the real truth behind it. But those small fifteen percent. I think it caught up in the biopsychosocial of it all. It's what they're thinking and how they're thinking by strong influence, environmental influencers you know, that all begin to change how you think, what you think. And then after chemicals are introduced, it does begin to change the biology. You know, so to me, addiction is kind of a full-on approach you know, mixed huge in part by an environmental influence. I truly, I
1: truly believe the environment I walked into when I got lucky enough and some might say a higher power led me to, uh, to the building I walked into, you know, um, it's what you believe, man. It, you know, I walked into an environment that was so nurturing and there were so many people who I could connect with. Like it was a bunch of dudes that own their own business or are basically at the top of their game in the business they're in. They understood the issues I was coming with. They were they came from all facets of drug use, you know, the people who smoked the crack. There were, you know, as junkies, there were, you know, people there to just smoke pot. And I shouldn't say just smoke pot, but there are people there that were there to recover from smoking weed. <laughs> oh, uh, I won't take issue with everything. I got <laughs> I got lucky walking into that building, you know what I mean? And it was because of the environment, the culture that I immersed myself into. It's a very, uh, you know, the the analogy we like to use is like we're a bunch of elephants. When one elephant gets sick, you know, what happens? The elephants surround them and hold that elephant up.
0: What's the logo of the Cognitive Rampage?
1: I know. I know. My brother's like, what's this guy, a Republican? I was like, "Oh,
0: Holy fuck.
1: You didn't even think of that, did you? Holy fucking shit. (laughs) I was like, why? Maybe he's an Alabama fan. I don't fucking know. Holy fucking shit. Sorry about your luck, partner. (laughs) That's the first thing he asked me when I told him.
0: Oh, no. I'm putting out the wrong view. I am fucking see. You don't even notice the obvious. Thank you very much. Now, see uh, the rampage. The elephant was came up with the design of the other half. Steve, you know he's the designer artist guy. He's, right. He has a great line of comic books. If you notice, he even has kind of like a comic book edge to the yeah, illustration. Yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, man. But fuck. The idea was that elephants are helpful in the group. They always remember. And they know they're smart, right? And if they get on a rampage, they, make some, they get some shit done.
1: Yeah, there's going to be something. something something's going to get accomplished when I heard of elephants have
0: and, a mission. And usually it's coming to the rescue. They're not rampaging for to murder you, to kill you. It's usually to save one of their own, rescue a calf, something like that. Yeah. So the idea of being in that cognitive rampage has multiple definitions. But we use that elephant, man. But fuck, now i got to rethink it. Uh, don't
1: rethink it, dude. I'm you know sure. what we're doing? We're,
0: we're gonna, I think we're going to put my glasses on it. There
1: you go. Put, um, no, just make wait, sure you'll be Republican. Fuck. Just make sure you don't color it the wrong color. I don't know, man.
0: It's fucked. I got to think about it now.
1: I, I set him straight though. I was like, first of all, you're not going to put Adam in a box. He's not going to be Republican, Poor Democrat, Democrat. No. liberal. Fucking he's going to be
0: Adam. But fuck, that's what it looks like. Damn it. And you know, I was looking at some of the Google things last night and Texas is the fourth most listened to state. We're in all, we actually we broke all 52 states um two weeks ago i think i didn't know i don't check them dude i wait because i get so nervous right. like i don't want to look i'm like because they're just gonna tell me i'm stupid you know and heck man we actually hit 52 states and i was like why is texas number four in listeners of the podcast and i'm like it's a fucking know. elephant and then alabama's like six yeah now you know <laughs> shit now you know praise the lord hey you know what I hey, i'm out here on the fringe trying to convert you know, I'm trying to pull them, pull them off of that so, tag. Hey,
1: hey, maybe if we put the elephant out there we and get some Republicans to listen, fucking get them to quit being so gnarly all the time with their and,
0: propaganda. And I even hate the labels, dude, because I know a lot of Republicans that let's just say, for instance, using some Republican values that are actually pro-choice are pro-gun. You know what I mean? And well, when but, did being but, Republican turn into, you got to be ultra-religious when did that happen well they bottled it and democrats bottled their side right it's like how they it's like one side had to get their infantry, and then they started right they're like picking teams and shit
1: and you can't have conservative fiscal uh, views and
0: and you can't mix that with some sort of democratic social
1: without having to tell a woman what she can and can't do with her body
0: or or anything else I mean let's we're gonna get political bro
1: okay let's let's not (laughs) do it let's not do it I'm not educated enough me either (laughs) I only got Chris's opinions I'll just be Inheriting bullshit that I play. <laughs> It'll be like at a baseball field where I just repeat what other coaches say.
0: Somebody that knew politics should be listening to this going, these fucking J.J.s. These guys are
1: stupid. They must be from Okoye, <laughs> Right.
0: Texas just dropped in the rankings.
1: <laughs> right. they're down to seven. I'm
0: going to look at analytics tomorrow just to look and be like, Texas ain't even on the fucking map anymore. But California just made a surge. <laughs> they're actually number two. Oh great! Yeah, yeah. Florida, Florida, California, New York, Texas.
1: But listen, to, to get back to what we were talking about, man, yeah. the the twelve step program that I I choose to use is my solution,
0: and it's is it it's worldwide, right?
1: Oh man, it is definitely worldwide. I was listening to, to Glenn and your, your conversation the other day about there being like millions, and they're able to say that because it's like one million people, but there's millions worldwide. You know, worldwide, there's there's millions. My my home group actually does a lot with South, uh, East Africa. We're actually doing a book drive, Spanish-speaking book
0: drive to send books down to Cuba. No kidding, man. T- tell me about that, dude. Cause, I mean, because we, oh, we started man. talking about you coming out gun blazing. This is part of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get involved. Um, I'm frying turkeys at Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? I get in the middle so I don't fall off the edge. These are the philosophies that I choose to live by so that I don't, left to my own thinking. Left to Chris being with Chris, making Chris's decisions, not so well sometimes.
0: Well, you're still making Chris's choices, but it's just a different philosophy.
1: And I shouldn't have said Chris's decisions, because Chris makes his own decisions. I mean, you know me well enough to know that ain't nobody putting me in a box I don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even Spe- Chris. Speaking of an elephant. Even Chris. <laughs> speaking of an elephant. <laughs> yeah, Chris know? ain't putting Chris in a no box either. Bull in the fucking china closet. <laughs> but, uh... Is that racist? What? I don't know. The China closet.
0: I'm just fucking with you. Your mom didn't have nice dishes that you weren't allowed to eat no, off of. I'm trying to play off the elephant. I'm like, see, like if I make that kind of statement, then I'm not Republican automatically. Right. But I'm, then I sound like a liberal fuck too. Damn oh, I can't win. Can't
1: win, dude. Um, but I, I, I use this place that, you know, they, they told me get a sponsor, come to meetings work at 12 steps, find a higher power. Um, these are all things yeah, I grew up with a pastor for a dad, so to me I already had a belief system set in place. Now, that being said, I don't use my dad's insurance company. I don't have to also have my dad's, you know, God as he knows it. Um but I did give my power over to something for all those years. It was just a drug, you know what I mean? So why not now try to go the other way? I already know how I'm going to i already lived one a life one way now let me try it the other way you know what i mean and honestly there's there's a person i connect with every single day facebook messenger her and i kick it back and forth back and forth she's known me since i was like 18 19 years old we used to work together at a place um she says i'm full of rainbows and shit and that's because i choose to look at everything positively let me find my my Part and whatever, so that I can't be the victim. I'm not going to turn everything into to a negative. And then I also do that for my friends when they, you know, when they're, oh, you know what? Instead of worrying about what this person did to you, let's find your part and let's, so we can move past it. Let's get out of the problem. Let's get into the solution. These are all things that I had no clue about until I walked into, you know, to my home group, which I was actually told it was okay to say the name of, you know. Okay. Put them out there. Message of hope, man. Yeah, there, you definitely put them out you there. You know, my there's a there's a saying on the wall in there that just fucking, it it just invigorates me every time I read it. It says, uh, the promise is freedom and the message is hope. And to me, it's just like, man, because the 12-step program I choose to use is my solution. I was told not to say who they were, but uh, the 12-step program I choose to use. They don't promise you you're going to make a lot of money. They don't promise you you're going to have a
0: hot wife and a nice car. I like how you caught yourself and played off the Manchurian candidate response. Yeah. The group that I choose to recover it, so you even admit it's got some kind of Manchurian... No,
1: I said the 12-step program I use as my solution. I'm just bugging <laughs> you, I'm
0: just throwing those balls back because you were busting my balls yeah, earlier. <laughs> I, I tried to
1: get you hooked in on the higher power thing, but you wouldn't do it. But... And I'm, you know my sponsors walking me through this maze I, I, there's yeah. all kind of good things in our private conversations i'm recalling but
0: oh man this sp- that's that is controversial the sponsor issue walking through the maze who doesn't want to leave the maze and would you make the choice oh man dude you know a lot of that man i can tell you it's hard though because i just slap myself with my, with my own advice if some work you know so
1: right and 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 i'm recalling that conversation from a much, you, you, you took a, a much more stiffer approach in the beginning of us getting reconnected than, than where you are now. Yeah, sorry about that. It's okay. I'm,
0: it's all right. I, I can be a rather dick. I'm, you
1: know what? If I didn't have the foundation set in place that I had, maybe I wouldn't have been able to have that conversation with you. But I've built a foundation. I work my steps. I have a goal of every single day being a better person today than I was yesterday. Some days are. I achieve that goal. Some days I don't, you know, I, I fall short. Nobody said you're going to be fucking perfect. What they said is we promise you the, the freedom from active addiction. Yeah. That's the only promise that a 12 step program offers you freedom from active addiction. Everything else is the byproduct of what work you're willing to put in. You know, what were you, what were you willing to do to get your drugs? Will you put that amount of effort into your recovery? Cause if you do, then you're going to be okay.
0: These are all principles I love, man. Yeah. And I tell you, Take an issue with any type of real model that's out there or even model that's not even a model per se. Any, If somebody has an attack to get rid of whatever it is, some behaviors that they're going through and want to get rid of, then I'm game for anything. But I'm also game open for the conversation because at the end of everything, no one theory is perfect and no one theory works for anybody. So you be, you become kind of a pompous dick standing back as I did that day when you were there. <laughs> and I'm going like, all right, but then how come they say change people, places, things, but they tell you show up at the same places with the same people. talking like, about the same things, but that's me that, you know, we, we talked about that earlier, prying, you know? Yeah.
1: And, and honestly, I feel like you are well-educated, well-spoken and very opinionated person. Don't make that face. Just the last you line,
0: just very, opinionated. very opinionated.
1: <laughs> and, and honestly, when you said that to him, I'm like, all right, he's playing devil's advocate. He knows the reason they say to change that it's changing the culture from the using culture to the recovery culture, change people, places and things Here's the people, places and things to change it with. That way you're not like people, places. Now I got to go make all new fucking friends. You know what I mean? Where do you do that? When you don't go to bars, where do you do that? When you don't uh, run streets, true statement. Um, so let me get around a bunch of like-minded people who are trying to achieve the same goal, live life from freedom addiction. Sure. Um, with these people, now, the heartbreaking thing is, is one, one of these people that you've grown close to relapse. And that's always, that's a part of, that's a part of it. I'm going through it with a friend of mine. But is
0: it, it I mean, it the, doesn't have to be. Okay. I know,
1: I know one of my, I mean, my dear friend, the lady who told me about the place I went in, in Palm Beach, uh, West Palm Beach. Yeah. 32 years, one white key tag. One, never relapsed. Might even be 33 years. I don't know for sure. So it doesn't have to be a part of the story.
0: Well, would it go back again to what we believe? If the person believes that relapse is a part of recovery to a point, doesn't that leave someone vulnerable for a quick exit? Say that again. If, if we, you know, take into account how we stated the, how important what we believe is and how influential our belief is, if the belief in something, if say, if we believe truly concretely that relapse is a part of recovery, then in a sense, couldn't we be at least toxifying our belief for a quick exit?
1: That's why I say it doesn't have to be part of it. It is.
0: Would it be stronger to say that relapse is not a part of recovery?
1: That would be a misstatement, though, because it is a part of recovery.
0: I don't know. I'm just questioning, like. No, how much, there's you know.
1: a there's a chapter in the book called "Relapse and Recovery." There's
0: processes, biological, yeah. all speaks to it, dude. And I, look, I, I'm playing devil's advocate here. But you here. can
1: definitely pinpoint something that happened. Now, okay, if you don't work any steps, you're just coming to meetings. You're what is, not. What's you're, the first step? Uh, admit you were powerless over your addiction, that your life had become unmanageable.
0: And the second step.
1: Uh, uh,
0: we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I just read this today. It's on how it works
1: and why. Um, you, well, you, we made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as when are studying.
0: Okay, and three,
1: third step. Uh, we made it. Fuck you, Adam, killing me, bro. Oh man, well you're on what twelve right now, right? No, I'm actually working
0: five, four and five with my sponsor. All right, working four and five, and, and so I think that possibly for me, I guess because you know the powerless statement coming offhand is difficult and as a practitioner on the inside um that's funny i say it like it's prison right as a practitioner on the inside i spent years so but <clears throat> look not everybody believes in a higher power right so it's not my job as a clinically trained therapist not a pastor or any other trained therapist <laughs> Two. I got to go back. I'd set them out of order. Oh, hold on. Hold on. We, we will. To convince. Oh. All right. Go ahead. Go no. fix it up. Fix it up, baby. Fix okay.
1: Up. Two was, you know, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us a sanity. Three is. What so we you were right.
0: Powerless was first.
1: Powerless was first. I got that one right. Which is something they say is the only step you really have to do 100%. Admit that you're powerless over those mood and mind altering substances. No, Everything no, else I didn't is didn't work subjective.
0: for me because I didn't apply the steps. <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh my god exactly hey, thank you, you you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna write in my uh, next book that look this is the perfect thing to get you off of anything and if it doesn't work it's because you didn't apply it correctly and listen, then I'm gonna say that it's effective no I'm I'm just being a I,
1: fix and again you remember when you told me hey listen to this with me and Glenn you'll probably be yelling at your radio I, I was I wish <laughs> so bad I was a part of it because were, <laughs> were you yelling at yeah, the radio I was like listen dude it, 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 I hate, believe me, you think I want to be blamed if I go smoke or go shoot dope, but it would be my fault because I'm not doing what the program is telling Wait, me to do.
0: But you have a disease, right?
1: I, I, I believe we have a disease.
0: I'm confused. Which part is the disease and which part is the choice?
1: Um. Well, the, just, Listen, I'm not educated in this. Oh, uh, I And this is where you get me a lot because well you are just believe that because you've been told listen,
0: listen nobody really knows dude look the truth is it's an argument that's out you know to date and my fucking pompous ass and all my nervousness <laughs> like a fucking jackass went on Joe Rogan and the, actually I don't regret the boxing comment as much as I regret my other comment when he goes so is it a disease and I went nope I just threw it out the window no and dismissed. And I truly right? and I truly don't believe in the definition of the disease as much as itself as can morph into something that's behavioral that can change things genetically over time. I don't believe we're born a fucking addict, right? And even predispositions aren't as strong unless they're activated by traumatic events or exposure. So even predispositions aren't as strong as we once thought they were. So my fucking ass just goes, Nope. Controversial as fuck. And the truth is, man, it's a study. You know, we can bring in studies of certain brain studies about addicts that really don't show shit, and some that do. And then we can bring in behavioral studies like Rat Park, you know, that completely throw all of the other research aside. Um, for those that I'm referencing, Rat Park is they for a long time in the 90s they used this one rat in a cage, which you probably saw a commercial of, and showed you that this rat had a choice between uh, had cocaine and could do the cocaine or water. And uh, chose cocaine till it died. And the truth is, it actually died of dehydration. But then they said, wait a minute. The rat had nothing else to do. Lock me up in a fucking cage with nothing to do. I may give it a little... Right? I'm sorry. I I don't know. And I'm a rat. So I have no reason, technically. Right. (laughs) Right. Right? So now you give me the power of reason. But what they did is then they took this maze and they built a fucking Disney World for rats. Right? You can look it up. Those out there. It's called Rat Park. But they built a damn Disney World for rats, dude. Like, I'm talking nut shit. And they put cocaine distribution all over the cage. Just as much as you want it. 2% of the rats would use. And over time, eventually would leave it and come back and participate in all of the social environments and everything would go. And 1% or 2% would come and then come back. And eventually to where the majority of the rats weren't using. It was still a small percentage. But they would come and go. They would join the social society back again. No one died. That now points to, okay, is it behavioral, social, is it a psychosocial, like we talk about the influence of of that, and by the way, when they do put up the picture of, this is a brain, and you've seen the blue picture, and there's mm. some neon yellow shit in the middle, right, right. this is your brain normally, and this is a meth user, right? What they didn't tell you is, between those two pictures, is normal differentiation, and Dr. Carl Hart would back me up on this, he's coming on the show in late December, and That's what they didn't tell people. And so if I had a room of 200 people and I mapped their brain all at once, it's constantly changing and moving based on influence and what I'm eating and structures, environments. So the range of what they're showing you is a normal differential. So my point of. It's the extreme of. But it's normal. From here to here in between this. Okay. Could be you and an average person, both the same in functioning and thinking. It means nothing, but it was supposed to give you a visual of how fucked up it really was. Oh,
1: and they're plastered all over the treatment facilities.
0: And it means nothing. Look up the normal variation of the brain functioning, and it means nothing. All right. But the, these are the myths Dr. Carl Hart is helping put to bed to help take away the demonized of the drug user, right, and the misinformation that's coming out about addiction itself and, the, and demonizing drugs themselves or the idea of even drugs. What if I told you, hey, man, I like sports? I'd say awesome let's watch some which one though (laughs) But I want to watch curling I I
1: enjoy curling I mean that was a bad example bro I'd be like fucking can you believe the way they sweep in front of that thing I don't know what anything's called but let's run down some ice and throw one of these cowbell things that you got (laughs)
0: <laughs> but it's true, though, right? So sports, it can mean anything. So right. drugs is a huge spectrum. Right. You know, so drug-free America. So that's what he's trying to point out, right? And the idea that really 85 or so percent of the people that are using these bad, evil, demon drugs are functioning member, members of society. that get caught up and need the actual real help, right? And really putting some myths to bed about the brain functioning disease itself. And so, you know, that function of a disease and those ideas, man, science is putting to rest those things. But it does speak to the power of that whole idea of that you know that rat park speaks to the idea of the psychosocial influence of changing of, of how much that changes behavior. And if AA meetings are really run right and headed by guys like you and some other fellows that I know, um, oh my God, I want to shout him out. Oh man, he's one of the coolest. Sam, Sam down in uh, and there goes your anonymity. Yeah, no, Sam. No, but pick. there's
1: a lot of Sams out there.
0: Yeah, Sam down in um, uh, uh, in an area that is so I think he would be I think his he'd his be energy. put out there. I think he'd be put out there. He does Man, he talks. I scream it from the from the rooftops. Well he talks all over the place. He right. runs functions in the keys and shit. I mean he's an amazing dude. He's wild. I want to have him on too. Cool. You two talking would holy shit, mm. you'd probably run me out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, he's so passionate and intense yeah. like I love that guy. When and he would be he's an AA guy that I used to love when he'd come in and talk. Because the enthusiasm of which he would you know you know talk about what he was believing and doing and living was powerful to people. And like I said, if if the belief of what you have is what's working for you, then I'm a fan of that. But I also am a practitioner that wants to point out that, look, yes, it's effective. Yes, it helps millions of people. But the problem is research has shown that there are a gigantic percentage of people falling through the cracks. that either can't believe in a higher power. They're just atheists. They can't convert. And come on, is it the dark ages where it's convert to God or die? Oh. Right. But my point is, we don't offer the right strain of help across the board. AA brings in a great psychosocial aspect when worked effectively. Uh, we all know that therapy in conjunction with med- medication works for a better outcome. Uh, but you know, I, I just think what's offered to to those like you and you were in desperate help, bro, at 150 bucks, dropping and walking in there, and that help that are offered at that very moment should equal the help at least that's offered at the place that was eighteen thousand dollars, right? You know. Because that real help exists out there, you know. And I tell you, to speak on that,
1: I, I believe, you know, they put the steps in order for a reason, okay? And it's a broad stroke, the higher power. It's a broad stroke, so it doesn't I alienate. Practi-
0: I heard a practitioner tell a patient in the next room treatment over to believe in a tree.
1: Yeah, I heard that the other night. And, you know, whatever gets them in, I, I can't see the tree. I can't relate to that if they say like,
0: i'm an atheist ma'am i am is that
1: tree more powerful than you i mean can you give your power away to the tree i don't know there's probably i, I would have
0: an issue with that
1: myself but like use anything group conscience are you know, you're telling me the conscience of the group can't be a power greater than yourselves i've used it to stay clean yeah,
0: you're smarter than a the therapist next door um i um, think you should be a therapist like you've been saying um well oh,
1: We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about uh, it. I put you on
0: front. Yeah, you did. We'll talk about it. Um, so wait, take me back, man. So you got this book drive thing going on, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't think of the dates right now, but our home group, Message of Hope, over in Longwood is doing a uh, a book drive for Spanish speaking basic text to send to Cuba. The, the average salary of a Cuban is
0: $10 a month. Is there alcoholism severe over in Cuba or something? Well, I mean, it's are, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, drugs are worldwide. Don't it's, say drugs. Well, it's sports.
1: Um, illicit drug. I mean, what can I say? <laughs> I mean, I go to one that uses no, drugs as all-encompassing.
0: People, people in need of help.
1: People in need of help are worldwide. Because, remember,
0: the drugs aren't the demon. as George Well, Lewis. you know,
1: I tell you what. One thing I realized is Chris didn't have a drug problem. Chris had a Chris problem. Yeah. Chris had a problem with Chris. Chris's insecurities were driving Chris to do stupid things.
0: And trauma led to severe use.
1: The trauma led to craziness and, and you know sanity.
0: what i what i like too is in that other private therapy group that you had um glenn and i talked about it as trauma being um you know a huge percentage behind those people in spirit, experiencing biopsychosocial addiction you know to a point and it really is and trauma and ptsd and those things are looked by and say some like you right you experienced a divorce a loss of family now as compared to someone else out there they may not call that a trauma But what I like to say is that you know, ghetto's in the mind frame. Our trauma Mm. is that of the perceiver. So
1: it was was pretty fucking traumatic to me. Was it watching my brother get his brains blown out, or fucking having to kill a bunch of
0: people in Iraq? Absolutely. But it's yours, so yes. But it's mine, right? So it meant something to me. It's, so it's the same equal. Right. Your ghetto's your ghetto, your perceiver. And what I liked is that trauma was addressed at this place. And trauma is a big deal. And when that trauma happened to you, you kicked it in into overdrive. Oh, man. It went off the walls. Yeah, you, off the chain quick. You know, if we treat drugs themselves, we're truly just treating the symptom. And so if we demonize the drugs, as Dr. Carl Hart says, that we're really just demonizing a symptom. And I'm going to have to edit the guy's name in, but he said it perfect. He said, by treating the drugs themselves rather than the trauma or the thinking or the environment that's associated with the symptom of drug use, it's like saying, hey, you have pneumonia, but let's suppress that cough and then you'll be cured. Right. And so AA and NA at least... Try to take a focus away from and say, listen, here's a new social environment. Here's a new way to think. Some, something else to structure your life in. Uh, that's a new way of thinking. And at least it's trying to pull away from the cough.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it definitely speaks to, um, okay, you had a problem with this substance. Um, so once that substance is removed, you still have these same problems. Now, how is that? Well, that's because you have a problem with your decision making. You have a problem with um, spirituality. You have a problem with w- whatever it is. You know, and that's that's really what the twelve steps works on. After you get
0: let's pull, let's go back through the steps. Pull them up. So we got to the all right. We talked about powerless and some issues there because defining yourself as powerless does lead to self fulfilling prophecies based on personal perception of definition, and then accepting a higher power. We talked about the issues with that because some people don't believe or we found other ways, you know, to get past that. So, all right. So three, what's step three? Well, three is we made a decision
1: to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understand him. And that is a broad stroke. I thought stroke. we did that already. Well, you asked me what three was. That was three. Four is where it would be is. Uh, oh, I thought like, it was
0: asking me twice to give it up. No. didn't. No, it? Ups? no.
1: But it actually is a daily thing that you do. You, you know, you, you make the decision each day to turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand it. Okay. It's a decision also. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's like you're well, making the decision. Look, the I, action behind the decision is not the step. Making yeah. the decision is the step.
0: Yeah. I don't want to argue religion because on any point, but I they'll look I'll even give you a, p- well, that's plus. what,
1: that's where, that's where people get twisted. It's not a religious thing.
0: I'm not, I'm giving religion even to a plus a belief. Plus even to look research shows that look, if you firmly believe in something, looking out for you, prayers, working for you, um, it can show that it has positive effects and not only mental health, but also medical outcomes. It really can. And whether, I mean, I'm not going to say it's prayer or anything of this nature, whether I have power, if it does, I think what we believe has influence too, you know, all of these things can have influence. So I don't want to bash some idea of giving your life up to a higher power as being some bad thing either. But I also have to think from a practitioner standpoint, how do I treat the 20, 30% that are atheists that do see it as a religious aspect, you know, from the example, but we've moved past it. And the
1: questions that are asked in those first three steps are supposed to bring people to their understanding of what their higher power is i mean these there's it's a kind lot of humility of, there's a lot of questions i mean if it's a group conscience it's is it, it if talking it's humility really there's a lot of humility that gets placed on like for me i had to learn to be humble
0: is that what you felt like those first three steps were really trying to
1: make it happen for you to me the short way of saying one two and three is i can't he can't i'll let him Which- i can't i'm powerless He can. I made my decision. I I came to believe that there's something out there for me, you know, the way I understand it. And I'll let him. I turn my my will and my life over to that.
0: Right. That's one, two, and three. You know what? I can't call it humility by my own perception definition because it's subjective. But for me, humility is powerful. And so if I'm going to be humble, I know I'm going to get competence because as long as I know what I don't know, I can learn from everybody. So for me, humility can lead to to competence. So for that, that kind of says... I'm just, I, I ain't got no kind of thing. I'm done. I can't get any, but I can see where it can kind of match up and lead to humility, though. It's kind of trying to tell you, look, dude, you don't fucking know everything, homie. It's I, why do I have to flip to like my old Adam you, dude to say that?
1: And, and it's, and it's humility weird. in the aspect of uh, when I try to control everything going on in my life, this is what happens. Sure. When I give up the perception of control, things could get better. How good you, link,
0: man. Good link. I, I like that because that's a that that can be a very good link to a cognitive practice. Oh, it's, it's a belief.
1: Flipping the belief, definitely flipping the belief. I sure. I used to think I was the ringmaster, dude. I had everything. Call me when you leave work. You know, let me know when you get off work and you're on your way home. Why? Well, because I want to make sure you're safe. No, it's because I fucking want. I have this illusion of control that you know, whatever is going to happen on the way home isn't going to happen because I know you're on the way home. It's, it's,
0: it causes a lot of anxiety too, though. So, oh my God. So I'll, <laughs> I'll try to connect it then to the, the idea of going, Hey, look, you, you can't control everything here. All right. So step so four,
1: four is, uh, uh, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Okay. So an inventory of yourselves. Now to me, the way I take that step is, uh, you know, secrets keep you sick.
0: You you go through your past. I've heard that before many times in group meetings.
1: Yeah, you go through your past. Not, and fucking come not group up,
0: meetings I attend, but some I would sit in. Yeah, yeah for sure.
1: You, you go through your past and, and just come up with everything. Morally, you know, the good, the bad. It's not just the bad thing. I, I robbed this motherfucker. I pistol whipped this motherfucker. It's not just the bad stuff. It's also the good stuff. It's a moral inventory. It's also, you have good morals, so let's talk about those too. Let's not just recognize everything bad and be all negative. Let's start to flip that. The cognitive part of it. Let's let's go from everything being negative to some things being positive.
0: Why don't they just say that?
1: Well, I don't know why they don't say that. I don't know because they found a system that works for millions. <laughs> this is part of it. <laughs> You're damn right I haven't. So. <laughs> uh, so then five would be we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to a, another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Now they say God a lot in the first... I, I, there's a number I've heard it. I'm not going to pretend I remember what they say, but it's it's a few times in the first few chapters. But i
0: got to tell somebody.
1: Well, because if you don't tell somebody, you've got a secret, right? So if you believe that that secret is keeping you sick, and what's that do? If you keep that secret, it's going to make it easy for you to, I'll, I'll, I'll use me.
0: Couldn't you just if, say be honest? Well, yeah, you can say Please, be honest. I think George Carlin did a bit about this shit, didn't He, he took the Ten Commandments and knocked it down to like three. That's a hilarious bit. If you're out there, look up George Carlin and Ten Commandments. It's pretty dang funny.
1: This fucking shit works, dude. I'm not. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I know. I,
0: know. I, I watched it work, bro. I watched it work. I'm you, not bashing on it. I did my bashing on it, but every theory can be bashed. So you, you I'm admit
1: important. to God. You admit to your higher power. You admit to Does that to mean ocean. i got to really
0: tell somebody?
1: You tell at least one person okay. so you don't have a secret. What do you tell them? I, told, I wrote it out, and this is actually what I'm going through now with my sponsor. Yeah. But uh, I wrote it out. Like and that. then I tell him I like everything on it. So, and it's everything. It's, it's a deep searching, fearless, moral inventory of myself. You really,
0: so you really write it out. It's, written.
1: Really, it's like, written. I like that. I could go out to my truck in my backpack and pull it out and read it to you. That's awesome.
0: I like that. I like how you write it out. And then you share it with someone. And I share it with
1: someone that way I have no more secrets. Because if you, if you keep like this that. one secret, you get away with it was to say, well, I got away with this. Let me, let me do this and not tell anybody I get away with that.
0: Okay, so you're so you're venting. You get to get some stuff. out. and be honest with yourself about some stuff, hopefully. Uh, okay, there's definitely good in that. All right, I'm in. Okay. I'm in on step five and a half.
1: And here's, here's one of your favorites, and I know it. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character.
0: Man, we're asking a lot. <laughs> what are we doing? We're just writing some shit down, really.
1: Well, so there's... Uh, and I haven't gotten to this stuff. I'm, be, so I'm now, being talking. Now we're talking about stuff I haven't even gotten into, but...
0: Oh, I thought you. I thought
1: you ran through these. I haven't. You don't. You don't run through them. No, nah, You live them. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you. There's a. There's a process and they're put in place. I like, in order for a reason. I like the writing though, man. Was that hard to do? To sit down and write that out. You know, I found it to be quite monotonous, really, and tedious. Oh okay. shit. But I, and I, and I have this thing where I question everything. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I question everything. They told me to get open-minded, motherfucker. Start questioning everything. So you know, what I mean? and I can overthink the shit out of anything. So I will look at a question for fifteen minutes and be like, "What are they specifically talking about here? Are they talking about this time period? Or are they talking about when I was shooting dope? You know, because there could be two different answers here. But you know, you go through those defects. Which my understanding, you know, there's there's a list of like. Couple hundred. Does
0: so is, so is it you really write down personal defects or is, my this understanding. Step, is this step five or six?
1: You this is six. You you write down, you identify and you write down the defects, and then in step seven, okay. seven you ask, oh, No,
0: don't, wait. don't, don't just jump disorders. personal defects. <laughs> <laughs> don't just jump personal defects.
1: I've been waiting for this
0: one. What the fuck is a personal defect?
1: Okay, so I would, and through our personal conversations, you know, I would consider. A massive ego, and this is just an easy one to go to. But yeah, a massive I got a personal ego, defect. Absolutely, we both do. I mean, every you know, we both do. But I'm I wouldn't consider. I wouldn't consider like.
0: I'm fucked. I got a, my list would be rather long if I had to write that. Are you kidding? Talking about mine's going to be pages.
1: Talking about tedious. Yeah, mine's going to be pages. Like, uh, I'm I'm controlling. I have an ego. I manipulate. I am. Dishonest at points, you know. Tell I mean? me,
0: you write down some good shit, though, man. Damn, that's depressing right well, now. Well, those are character defects. Character defects, but sometimes now, being an asshole is okay, though, right? Hey,
1: and you and I both agree that ego can be good. I mean, the ego can definitely work to your advantage in some cases, so it can be an attribute as well as a defect. However, I'm a, in this case, you, they're speaking of the defective part of it. I mean, the the part that says. Your rules don't apply to me because I'm motherfucking Chris Beckhamar. What you going to do about it, biatch?
0: So I can write, I'm sometimes a defective asshole. <laughs> sometimes.
1: And you're sometimes the most <laughs> compassionate, loving motherfucker asshole. I know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or compassionate asshole. You're the
1: empathetic, sympathetic asshole. I can be. Uh, yeah, right.
0: Yeah. That's, a, yeah. that's a lot of this. Let Roxy. Let Roxy go eat him, dude. She'll finally stop snoring out of here. Oh. Oh, all right, puppy. All right. Say hi, Roxy. Go we'll get him! Oh man, showing up with food at the cave, man. Ruh-ro. Roxy's looking out, man. No, dude, I'm look. I'm I don't walking down them like that. I it's it's just really toying and playing because look, we can walk down any theory out there because look, right. they're just that. They're models and they're theories, like Glenn said. And so look, you can shoot holes in any approach because you know what. Uh, what was it? My brother, I'll, I'll even use a football analogy, right? Let's do it. I used to coach with this pompous fucking prick who didn't know shit about Steve's, football. Steve Sperger? <laughs> didn't know shit about football. <laughs> and But literally, dude, the offensive playbook was his clipboard and a couple sheets of notebook paper. And he would draw up the play at practice and tell the kids to stay in there, stand there, and he'd call it something and go, yeah, we'll run that on Friday. It was bad. All right. And so it got to a point to where I you know, I would set up a defense. He would go, Adam, set up your best defense. And I would set up a defense. And then he would walk around and draw a play around my defense and go, let's run it. And his play may work. And he'd be like, yeah, gotcha, or whatever. And I'm like, coach, whoever draws last wins. Right. You know, it, draw offensive play and then let me run the defensive play and draw it, right? And so my whole point is we can walk down 12 steps and I can draw last every fucking time. All right. Right. And you can draw last on my book, on my theory, on CBT. You can draw last on some of the best, you know, empirically backed theories out there. That's why these are theories and approaches, you know. So I'm pointing out my own um sometimes assholeness
1: right and and <laughs> at the end of the day there are many 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 ways for people to stay clean that's fucking right fucking there's motherfuckers that say you know what I ain't doing this shit no more and yeah. they don't do a motherfucking thing that's right now do they get better as a human I don't know because what are they doing to work on being better as a human
0: yeah
1: um, to me the the 12 steps for me is what helps me be a better human um, that's my goal these days to be a better human
0: yeah
1: you know stay clean no matter what And, and, and try not to be as big of an asshole as I've been for a lot of years. I'm still working on that shit. Me too, bro. Hey, listen, I don't, I fucking fail. Some, some motherfucker called me fat the other day, dude. And I was like, listen, bitch, I will fuck you up. Oh man. I will fuck you up. You don't even know. And in my head though, all I can hear is the things i learned about this guy doesn't know who you are. That's why he would say that because he don't know who you are. And then I'm, I'm starting to be the victim now also because I'm saying Oh, you don't want to draw. You don't want to draw old Chris out, motherfucker. You only know new
0: Chris. You don't want to draw old Chris out. See, you got to be careful when we start cultivating that old guy. I did it on the podcast here talking, right? We go back and saying that. And that's part of the dialogue that we create, man.
1: So, but at that point, I just took my victim card back. Now I became the victim because you drew me out, not I made the decision to react poorly. Right. You made me do it. Yeah. My ex-wife made me shoot heroin because she's fucking left me. She didn't even leave me. The bitch escaped. You know what I mean? <laughs> she got lucky. She got the fuck out of Dodge. Okay, but to blame her for me doing what I was doing is me being a victim. It took it took it took some practice to get to get over that. But
0: it, if you had to um, talk to somebody out there, man, maybe sitting on the fence right now, man, literally, or maybe sitting on the strap, listening to this shit, man, or the gear, like you said, you know, I'm looking for something. Or thinking about walking inpatient or wherever, man. What would you tell that person out there now, man?
1: I would only be able to speak to my experience and what worked for me. Just tell. I that. would say, hey, bro, why don't you come to a meeting with me? Okay, hey, I would walk up to him. Uh, I would, you know, just talk to him. I'd be there to listen to him, and then I would say, you know, if you want to know what I did to make my life better, here's what it is. I also believe it's a it's a program of attraction, not promotion. So I wouldn't promote what I do. I would just tell them and say, "Hey, why don't you come to a meeting?" You know what I mean? Uh, Not
0: yeah nah, nah, dude. Give him the football speech, bro. Give him the Pacino. I'm talking that person, bro. Like you know what I mean? That one that was like you sitting there, like somebody tell me something because fuck this shit. You know whatever. That dude, man.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't,
0: I don't know what I would say, dude. You gonna make me play your own YouTube video? You did.
1: <laughs> well, those those YouTube videos came out of out of a. Sp- you know, they came out of something I was going through in the moment, and I was responding to a feeling I was having. I can't tell you what I'm going to do when I leave here besides drive home. You know what I mean? If I run into a, a junkie in the street that needs some help, I'm fucking help him. i tell you what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to enable him. I'm not going to give him any money. I might buy him a burger, but I'm not going to give him any money. I'm, I'm assuming
0: gonna... the homeless guy's on something. But, but.
1: Well, I, I said junkie.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm totally. I'm not, sorry. Not homeless. Yeah. You know, I mean that. That motivation, I mean that that person that doesn't know where help is. I mean, I would encourage you too if you're out there, man, and all you got is that Medicare inpatient detox, whatever the fuck, go the fuck there. As shitties I may tell you, some of them can be. It's a fucking place at least, and I don't care, you know. Get where you can get to, you know. That's to, to where you can manage your life better, you know, and get to a safe place.
1: I can guarantee that if you do that, you won't be dying tonight. You know, if you get to your if you get to a treatment facility where there's any kind of medical profession or even that fucking lady behind the glass and they're going to accept you into their, to their place. You won't be dying tonight. You won't be going to jail tonight. Uh, there won't be any consequences, any negative consequences for your, for your, for that action. Um, it, it can spin off into some positivity. Uh, I mean, I I fully believe in, and I, I also believe you don't have to go to treatment for me. I had to go to treatment. Um, you know, there's people I saw right there in my home group get clean in front of my eyes who are still fucking there. They didn't go to rehab.
0: Nice. They um, just came out to a meeting.
1: Yeah. Sweated their ass off right there in a the meeting for six, seven days. and
0: Shout out to them. Still sitting man. there. Shout yeah. out to them. Yeah. For
1: me, I had to remove myself from the environment. Okay. I Completely. Like that. I had to remove myself from life. And then luckily I had a family that supported me in it. And I came back and jumped right back into life. But fully into life. I would I would tell that person that uh you know that there's there's a there's there's a way to not have to live this life you know if you'd like to hear about it you know come with me I would take them somewhere I would I would do whatever I could man I have a lot of compassion for it I don't know exactly what I would say presented with a problem I'm generally pretty good. In, in that problem coming up with a solution.
0: That's why I love you so much. You put mate. me
1: on a fucking spot just now. And I'm like,
0: <laughs> no, but that's, what's real about you, man. That's, what's always been real about Chris, to be honest, man. And third person, you know, but it's true. It, that's how I know if you, or when you do respond to somebody else out there that, you know, you'll run into that needs some help. That's how they know if they ever listen to this, that is genuine because you react to the moment, to the person. Yeah. And that's for me is what treatment and therapy should be about, man. And, and, I'm just. I'm glad my boy can show up here. I'm glad you're fucking clean. Whatever many seconds that thing says and and will be, man. And and sharing your your story out here, brother. Well, I appreciate you swinging
1: the sword for the people with no arms. I appreciate you fucking giving a voice to the people that can't be heard. This is super important to me. Um, I also really believe in the other aspect of your war on the war. I mean, I was watching that documentary. The war on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. The war on my world. War war drugs. Drugs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what if the government took 80 percent of the funding and put it towards treatment in the attic rather than militarizing the police force and turning you know the citizens into the enemy? What if they tried that?
0: Wow. Oh, don't demonize the person and don't demonize the drug. We can demonize the behavior and offer the right help. And 12 steps is right now what's offered. So I'm glad that that's out there and that you could really be a voice for that and for those out there, man.
1: And I would definitely say don't get hung up on the God word. Just I don't know why it's written so many times in the book when they say that it's a power greater than yourself. Your understanding, you know, you come to that conclusion on your own. Don't get hung up on the God word. Don't let that keep you from seeking recovery because the higher power can be whatever. If you're in the mix of active addiction right now. You might not want to hear it, but you've given your power up to something greater than you already. Yeah, man. So let's move on to a positive power greater than yourself.
0: That's a cognitive page I'm looking for, man. Good drop, man. See, that's the genuine shit, baby. Yeah. Um, well, we're with you in the fight, too. You know, I'm here all the time. Always. We talk a lot. So, um, man, this is beautiful, man. You come back on, right? Uh, anytime. 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 Oh, dude, I love it, man. Anybody, um, your shout-out. You started to shout-out the book track. Did we ever finish the book track?
1: I don't know, but, um, you know, the people in Cuba make $10 a month. Basic text is twelve 50. They'll never be able to afford one. So if anyone out there has any way of, uh, if you have a Spanish basic text for, you know, the Narcotics Anonymous, feel free to send them in.
0: Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, where can they send information to? What should they look up? Anywhere they can go online? Um, um, I know it's anonymous. NA.org. NA. Yeah, start there. All right, NA. so Org. It's yeah. something run through NA then.
1: Well, it's our home group's mission, so I don't know. I don't want to get the address to our building. Yeah, no no, 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 told no, no. me to do that.
0: So. No, you know what? Um, i tell f- you what.
1: Reach out. My name's out there. Reach out to me on Facebook. And well, yeah, after it's posted, it,
0: yeah. we'll, we'll have an email set up on the uh, there podcast there. There you go. Cool, man. Um, any shout-outs, love? You want to get us on Not really.
1: (laughs) I love everybody out there. I I pray every single day for the addict who doesn't know recovery is possible. So
0: for the person being affected by addiction.
1: Hey, you know what? Everyone has this misconception that they're only harming themselves. I can tell you for a fact, you're harming everybody around you. So don't be so fucking selfish.
0: Yeah. Get some help, man. And, (laughs) you know, and it's out there and please, you know, don't demonize the person, you know, don't demonize the person. You know what, dude, because of this podcast. I'll, I'll try to demonize 12 steps a whole lot less and you know because walking through the steps you know briefly even in the beginnings these ones you know talking about it it's really perception and how people use it so you know more power to you if it's helping you and like we said before if somersaults work for you
1: fucking let's get to flipping